Coming up in the podcast, the Celtics are in the 2022 NBA Finals. Game one was tonight in San Francisco. Did I go? Of course I went. What are you talking about? That's all next. Plus Adam Sandler. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. Have you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. The world can be pretty dangerous, so it's nice to know Simply Safe has my back with advanced home security that puts me first. What are you worried about? What are you worried about in life? Well, if you're a parent, you're constantly worried about your kids, the health and safety of your kids. Uh, maybe you're a dog person. Maybe, maybe it's just you and your dog. Maybe you're like, every time I leave, I'm terrified somebody's going to take my dog. Keep you and your loved ones safe and don't worry about any of this stuff. Try Simply Safe today. Right now, my listeners can get an exclusive 20% discount on a new system with fast protect monitoring which is great, by the way. Just go to simplysafe.com slash BS. Once again, simplysafe with two eyes, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. We had two new rewatchables podcasts go up this week. One was a special selection show for the new categories that the listeners sent in. And the second one was Copland, which we did on Wednesday night in honor of Ray Liotta, RIP, me, Sean Fantasy, Chris Ryan, we did that one in person. We added all the new categories and it was a whole lot of fun. Coming up on this podcast, my thoughts after going to game one of the 2022 NBA Finals, plus a long conversation with our guy, Adam Sandler. He was on two plus years ago with Kevin Garnett and we both ended up just setting picks for KG and letting him go. And it was so much fun. But I uh, wanted to have the deep dive combo. He has a new, mo new movie coming out. It's called Hustle. I really liked it. We talked about that. We talked about his career, all the fun people that passed through it, why he keeps making movies and a whole bunch more. So that is the podcast first. Our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, taping this, it is uh, about 11 o'clock after game one of the NBA Finals, which I attended, which ended up being a spectacular Celtic sporting event. Harald Bob Balgaris is here. He's been on many times. He liked the Celtics heading into the series, as did I. I was not feeling good, Bob, when, uh, when Tatum could not throw the ball in the ocean, when Curry hit six threes in the first quarter. Um, the Warriors were pretty comfortably there. It was like 15 points. And then it was a flip. The only thing I can compare it to, and I was not in the house for this game, was 2008 Game 4 Finals. Bigger stakes because that was later in the series, but just this momentum switch that happened and you could feel it as it was happening. It all started with Jalen Brown 
who I thought kept the Celtics in the game and I thought had one of the better stretches of his career. And then all of a sudden it flipped. When did you feel watching on TV? When did you feel it starting to flip? We were like, oh, wait, are they going to come back here? Um, I was shocked it got as out of hand as it did in the the third quarter, to be perfectly honest. I, I wasn't even really paying that much attention to the score. It was weird. Like It didn't seem like it was as it, they were in trouble to me. I don't know. It was weird. But for me, when I saw, okay, things are changing was the way they started defending a little bit differently in the fourth quarter. Mm. The Gudoka talked about this in the press conference. They switched a lot more in the fourth quarter. I, I tweeted out some stat. First three quarters, I think they switched um, somewhere in the neighborhood of... I don't know the exact numbers, but... It was it was a mark. I thought you I saw your tweet. It was like 18% and it jumped to like third over 30%. Yeah, something it was like something that. like yeah. that. And I think that was a big, a big factor in it. Then they, you know, the, the lineup that Kerr had out there in the fourth quarter was not ideal for spacing. Yeah. It was like a different kind of spacing. He had Iguodala on the perimeter with Draymond, both were being ignored while the paint was being packed in and attention was being paid to Steph. That led to some bad passes and some runouts. Um well, Steph wasn't even out there to start the fourth quarter. So um, that's kind of where I saw it changing. I mean, obviously the Celtics ran hot from three, but we can kind of talk about that a little bit. And why I think that's like not that it's kind of a red herring in some ways. Well, the key guys for the Celtics, the Jalen stretch was unbelievable. And then White and Horford. White had hit the point. He was so good in the first half. Then the second half, they didn't start with him, obviously, because it doesn't start. And by like the seven minute mark, I was saying to the people I was with, like, they got to get White back in there because... I thought Curry was having his way with Smart, which I was not expecting. Yeah. And White was stabilizing their defense. And what was crazy was the White-Pritchard combo was one of the things that made it. And they, the Warriors had a lot of trouble with Pritchard. He was really active. They couldn't hunt him. He was rebounding. He ended up with six rebounds. He was fearless. And it was White and Pritchard together that was really effective. Did not expect that. If you look at the guys who guard Curry effectively, it's interesting. Pritchard kind of fits the mold. I don't know if you remember, like, Della Vadova guarded him really well. Like, it's, 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 it's not, you don't yeah. need a guy like Smart to guard him necessarily. What you need is a very, very quick guy who can chase him around and, and, and you know, follow him around and not get lost through all these screens. I think the, where Smart was really good in the fourth quarter, though, is when he start, they started having him on Draymond and then he just started roaming off of Draymond in some yep. possessions. And he was playing free safety and he was impacting the passing lane. So, I don't know. I think if the... and I, I wouldn't overreact if I was Golden State, but I think if they are going to run out multiple non-shooting lineups with two, guy, two or more guys who can't shoot, they've got to think about where they're positioning Draymond a little bit versus this Celtics team. They might want to have him in the dunker spot versus on the perimeter as like the pitch handoff guy. And then who has the ball in that case? Makes it makes it tricky. Well, one thing I noticed just being there in person, I thought the Warriors like clearly were wearing down mm, in the fourth quarter because of just how long and, and big and physical the Celtics were. Like a lot of things were going Golden State's way the first three quarters, right? The offensive rebounds, that was going great. Tatum just... I actually liked the shots he was taking for the most part. He just was off. You could see it. Like when he airballed the three in the first quarter, I'm doing this off from memory. I didn't take notes. Like <laughs> I, that was, that was such a bad three and it was so off that it was like, all right, is he nervous? What's going on? But you know, he, the they were basically like playing him to be a distributor and he did. And I think, what did he end up with? 13 assists. And the Celts were just getting a lot of open shots. So I always felt they were around in the game. But 
you know, Curry, they're up 15. There's like three minutes left, I'm going to say, in the third quarter. And Curry had a three. And I think if it goes in, I think the game's over. Because the crowd was like, the crowd was, first of all, the crowd was great. I was really surprised. Like, I usually finals crowds can go either way. I thought the crowd was loud and really into it. But he hits his three and it was like, it was one of those, you know, those roof comes off the building threes. I think if it goes in, I just, I think it's just coming back from 18, but doesn't go in. The Celtics kind of climb back. And by the end of the third quarter, White hits some free throws and it's 12. And I felt like, all right, like, I I know the guys they should be playing in this series. White's going to have to be out there. It's probably White, Smart, Brown, Horford, Tatum. And, you know, I, that lineup seems like it's pretty good. But what really helped was what you mentioned, the when they were playing Iguodala and Draymond at the same time. Yeah, three on five for sure. Yeah, as good as Curry up. is, I, I just felt like but the Celtics weren't even guarding Draymond by the fourth quarter. I mean, they were like, whatever, please, shoot. Yeah, yeah and I think also... Um, one thing I would be concerned about a little bit, I was watching the presser, the post-game presser, and to a man, everyone talked about how fortunate Boston was from three. And you're never going to win a game if you, you know, if the other team shoots 21-41 from three or makes 21 threes. And I think the thing that worries me is if you look back at the other, their previous series versus Dallas, Dallas had the exact same threes, really good threes, and they just didn't hit them with the exception of a couple quarters. And I, I, I wonder if maybe they really believe that that type of shooting is just unsustainable. And the, the, the key thing is, is they went on their run at the start of the fourth quarter. It was a 6-0 run, then it was an 8-2 run without making any threes. So it's not like they, they, oh, they just ran super hot. A lot of the threes are when the game was kind of already out of hand. Look, White, White's threes especially were egregiously lucky. Like, I'll say that. I mean, they were, they were not open. They were, you know, he's not a great three-point shooter to begin with. But the rest of the threes, I mean, Jalen had one that was kind of lucky, but he normally shoots over contests anyways. The rest of the threes were all wide open. And I think if that's your plan, you're just in a lot of trouble. They were, the white threes, they were semi-contested. They weren't, I didn't feel like they were lucky because he's had these streaks during the... Oh, you got to go back and watch them. Was there one? I felt... There was one that like... There was one I remember. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he made that. He wasn't even his normal follow through. And it kind of like hit the back of the rim and touched this part of the rim and went in. So, mm. um, well, so it was 101 97, 622 left. Curry was back in the game and White hit a three. Curry made a two. Tatum got blocked, but Celtics got the rebound. White made another three. Curry missed a layup. Horford made a three. Draymond steal. Horford makes a three. The Celtics had four threes in a row over the span of like 80 seconds. They scored 12 points. Yeah, that's that was it. All of a sudden it was 109, 103. All of a sudden out of nowhere. Yeah, that's just the new NBA though. I mean, people, I mean, Kerr talked about this a little bit in his press conference and it's just, it's just, you better be ready for it because it's just a super high variance league right now. Uh, The three point rate for both of these teams was extremely high in terms of the number of shots they took that were from three. Um, let me get that real quick. It looks like it was 48% of Boston shots were threes and 51% of Golden State shots mm. were threes. That's very high. So it's uh, worth 21 for 41. Here's why. So I heard, I heard the Draymond press conference and he made it seem like they were leading the whole game. First of all, the Celtics were leading at halftime. I, I don't yes. know. Uh, <laughs> it's, that seems like relevant info. Warriors, I thought, played a good two-thirds of a third quarter. And then the Celtics played. Honestly, that was one of the best 
quarters they've played this whole season. I've watched a lot of Celtics this season. That fourth quarter, it was a 24-point swing. They were making everything. Their defense was fantastic. But the reason I disagree on the fluke part, the Celtics had 33 assists. Like the the ball was moving. They were finding the right people. And the fact that Tatum, who shot so badly, still was like facilitating and making plays. I thought his defense was really good. It's it's weird to say somebody who was three for 17 and didn't seem like a confidence in his shot had a good game. I thought he had a good game. <laughs> like, yeah, I think he I think he had a, a complete game with the exception. I do think he was tentative. I don't know if nervous is the right word, but there was like one three I remember in particular where he was wide open and he waited and waited and looked down at his feet and then shot it. It was like at the top of the three-point arc. So I do feel like, I mean, but that's a good thing though, because he's not going to play like that for the entire series. Right. That, it was like nervous was just, energy. You, yeah, might and then not the ball be nervous, didn't go in the adrenaline. beginning. And so he just kind of rolled with a little bit, maybe got down on himself a little bit. I mean, obviously he's the focal point of their defense, uh, the, the Golden State's defense. He's the guy they're focusing on. And that's generally yep. been the case, but it's, it's a more active level of defense that Golden State plays. They're willing to pack in the paint and help off of shooters, even if the guys can shoot. So it just, I, he'll be fine. Uh, I, I have a lot of, I haven't, I'm not worried about him at all. I'm more worried about how Golden State is going to just defend everybody in, in, in on, because let me ask you this, of the best five players in the series, how many are, I mean, Golden, Steph's, I think, in my opinion, the best, obviously the best player in the series. But aside from that, how many are on Golden State? Like <laughs> the next, of the next four guys, do they have any in the top five aside from Steph's? You could feel the drop off every time he came out. And I was asking the people I was with, because I couldn't believe Kerr kept him out as long as he did in the second quarter. Because first quarter, and it was on the basket we were sitting on, he made six threes and it just seemed like he was going to have 80 points in the game, right? And then he had that two thirds of a shot at the end of the quarter. He missed it. That was, I think might've been his only miss of the quarter. And then he was just gone for six minutes. And the, the Warriors fans that I was sitting around were saying, no, this is what Kerr does. It's like the John Stockton, Jerry Sloan thing. This is, he takes him out here. But when he came back, it felt like it was almost like, he, he just didn't feel like he was hot anymore, right? And and it just was almost like too long. I I, I don't know what the theory is on that, but when somebody's that hot, I, don't, I just don't agree with having him sit for 20 minutes. Yeah, I think I think that's a, I mean, it's it's also the finals. And so, I mean, you have a chance to really put the hammer down. Uh, most of these yeah. coaches mostly go with their, especially through the first quarter and a half of the game, they go with their base substitution patterns. Uh, but the other thing I'll say though is, is the threes. I mean, he was great in the first quarter, but he was killing smart. That, what's that? He was killing smart. Well, it was also the bigs were in drop. I mean, they, they weren't aware of the fact that it was Steph Curry. And so they just weren't, you know, they were, they were, they were, the bigs were in drop. They weren't playing up to the level. And I mean, even you weren't able to see this because you were at live at the game, but they even had Marcus Smart, you know, audio mic'd up during a huddle. Oh, talking about, oh, talking about to his guys, like, you can't be there. You've got to be up. You've got to be up. And once they made that adjustment, it became really tough. And they even, you know, I, I, a, lot, a lot of people talked about, oh, you know, they can't play Williams, Robert Williams versus him uh, in a switch. But they did in the fourth quarter and he held up pretty well. And even if even if you take away the three point line and he gets by you for a layup or a late contest from someone else, I think that's fine because who's he going to pass to? It's going to hit a three, one other guy, and that's yeah. play. And aside from that, it's nobody for the guys that are playing. So uh, I'm I'm pretty. It's one game, but I'm pretty bullish on the Celtics still. So, well, there was 
one time Curry stay screwed up in the first quarter and Emi called timeout. I don't know if they called it on TV, but he does this great thing and he's done it all year when he's mad and he just can't hide it and he's just muttering to himself and you, it's always like, what the fuck are we doing? Or like, he's just, <laughs> it's like watching a police sergeant in like a buddy cop comedy. What are you, get in here, guy. And he was so mad at Smart and whoever the big was who screwed up the last Curry thing. And it was so clear. I was like, guys, We've talked that was about one this he for just, four he just days. Walked, he just walked down. Yeah. And they the, they set a screen and nobody, or I didn't think anyone, but he nobody picked him up, right? I yeah, they just, they fell asleep. It was like you, he was just like, guys, it's Steph Curry. But yeah. it felt, uh, I'll say like, just, just being there for it. Steph, you know, he's always in varying degrees of how great he feels or how you could see it. He was like dancing on the floor in that first quarter. Like when he's, it just seemed like he was 100%. By the fourth quarter, it, it seemed like he was a little more wore down. But I, I also think the Warriors were kind of shocked that the Celtics were hanging around. I think they thought, yeah, the crowd certainly thought the game was over. There's that moment when Draymond missed the free throws in the fourth quarter. And as he was lining up to take them, and you could feel it in the building. The, you, and I've, I've been on the opposite side of that, where it's like a Celtic shooting those and, and people like the old Antoine Walker days, where you're like, oh my God, these aren't going in. And he one went left. And the other went right, his two free throws. But I do feel like it was a little haymakery. It was so fast, they couldn't adjust. Like Kerr had Iguodala out there with eight minutes. I couldn't even believe he played in the game. Yeah, that was odd. I think especially, I mean, I think there was a little bit of arrogance uh, in some in some way. They were up. They had their their standard third quarter push. They're a great third quarter team. They're a great second half team. Iguodala hasn't played in forever. They wanted to probably get him some minutes, some run. Um, but yeah, that wasn't an ideal lineup by any stretch of the imagination. I, don't, I mean, to have two guys who can't shoot, and the Celtics are clearly, Draymond's going to have to prove it to him, them, them now in this series because they were completely delighted any time he shot. The other thing, the Warriors were falling asleep. They kept forgetting about Horford in the corner, and he's made those all year. Um, I think the Celtics found some stuff out, at least like that, and I, both of us are pretty high on Grant Williams, but this might not be the series for him. Might not be, uh, yeah. He only played uh, 18 minutes. I didn't feel like he was effective when he was out there. The Looney, Looney was kind of kicking his ass on offensive rebound stuff. And Doka was really mad at, at Grant at one point. Um, and it just might be a series where Pritchard gets some of the Grant Williams minutes. They're going to keep doing the Pritchard-White and White-Smart together and Pritchard and stuff. Like, I think they're going to go smaller because I think I feel like they can get away with Pritchard in this series. And then there's the clay piece, which I, he was fine, right? I mean, just from a shooting standpoint, six for 14, whatever. He can't go by anybody anymore. I no, really he, noticed he, it when I was in person that whoever, whatever Celtic was on him, he just can't go by the person. He can kind of, he can come off screens. He still has three point, all that stuff, but he's not the same foot speed was, I don't think. No, I, I definitely agree with that. It's tough to come back from that injury in, in, in the time frame that he did. One thing I would say about going small is if, if the Celtics' plan is to go small and Golden State doesn't counter with Looney, then I think that's a wrap. That's a win for the Celtics. If Looney, yeah. if they decide to counter with Looney when the Celtics are small, then I do think they have some trouble on the offensive glass. The one thing I found that was odd was Golden State had success crashing the glass for most of the game then yep. they're trailing in the fourth quarter 
and they're shooting and missing and nobody's going to the glass. It's just like if there's any time you want to be going to the glass, it's when you're trailing in the fourth quarter and the other team isn't incentivized to push the ball. So that I thought was interesting. Um, but it was a function of the guys who were out there. Looney wasn't out there. And it was a bunch of smaller guys. And Golden State's going to win this series by virtue of winning in ways that you wouldn't really normally. It's not going to be because they're going to outplay. They're not the better offensive team, in my opinion. They're not the better defensive team, in my opinion. But what they could do is they do have a size advantage on the boards. Yeah. They have one player. And, and the reason why the offensive rebounds are so key for Golden State isn't even so much that they emphasize offensive rebounds. But like if you look at those clips we were talking about, where two guys are just completely uncovered in Draymond, Looney, or Iguodala, everyone else is focused on Steph and Clay. When the ball goes up and the shot is missed, those guys are not only guard, not guarded for on offense, but they're not guarded when the rebound goes up. And so now you have to retreat back to them to get a body on them. And that's mm. why they have so much success on the offensive glass. It, it's a lot to do with Looney, but it's more to do with the gravity that Steph has. And, and it causes everyone to focus on him. And now they have to get back and guard someone else. So I don't know that was, a, that, was a, that was something I think that a lot of people don't really get with the offensive rebounding scheme that Golden State has. A lot of it's predicated on, on Curry being out there. Well, and also for the Celtics, just paying more attention to it. Like their wings started crashing back on some of that stuff and helping them out. I, for sure. I, uh, Poole was bad. That really helped the Celtics. He was two for seven and uh, defensively, you know, we've talked about it all playoffs. He's, he's a, a pylon. Yeah, he's, he's a pylon. It's tough. I think the thing that's really jumped out to me, Kerr is so loyal to Clay, to Clay and Draymond, right? But in this game, for whatever reason, Wiggins and Porter together, maybe Looney, Curry, and I don't know who the fifth guy is, but you know, I thought Porter was really effective in this game, and it was almost like he stayed away from him too long. And, uh, and I just, I just, when Draymond is that much of a liability offensively, I wonder if he'll have the, the courage to just sit him the next time. Would he do that? Is he? Yeah, I think they'll come up with some wrinkles. Look, they're a very clever offensive team. Just as, as Golden State and Curry is a unique challenge defensively, the way Boston plays defense is a unique challenge on offense. So you can't necessarily go in with your normal game plan versus them and expect to have success on offense because their defense is just that good. I'm sure they'll figure out ways to utilize Draymond in a positive fashion. Um, yeah, but what happens if, if he can't shoot at all and the Celtics aren't guarding him? You can put him and in your the offense is falling apart. Well, they, but they had him, him on the low post a little bit, and that I didn't, felt like that was pretty clumsy. All he was doing was clogging the lane for their drivers. Yeah, he's not, you know? he's not a real dunker spot player because he doesn't have the verticality, but you could certainly use him as a screener um, mm. in, in, in the pick and roll. You have to run more pick and roll. It has to be less of the off-ball, goofy stuff that they do that works really, really well where he's zipping passes everywhere because nobody's guarding him. It has to be more of he's setting the screen, and now if you're ignoring him, now it's a four-on-three situation. But then you right. need guys in the corner who can shoot. And that means Looney probably can't be out there because that's going to clog things up. But Porter uh, could. Porter could be out there. Uh, obviously, Clay can be there. Um, I also don't think they can play, you know, what's called the death pool lineup. <laughs> I don't think they can play Curry, Pool, and Clay together at the same time versus the length no. that the Celtics have. It's just, it's just, it's just not going to work on the other I, end. So I talked to you today because we were talking about this series, not on a podcast, and I was, I was getting more and more confident. Now I'm not. I'm not saying I was right. I'm just by, you know, yeah, four days to think about this series and it's one game. 
But I was getting more and more confident because I kept thinking about that Memphis series. And I kept thinking about these stretches that Memphis would have where the length that they had in their wings, they just really bothered the Warriors, right? And Ja really lit up the Warriors before he got hurt. And I was just thinking like, could we be basically a better version of that Memphis team? That game, that series went six. I think it easily could have gone seven. And I, I think if Ja's healthy, they might've even won it. And um, I think from what I, I, I saw, think it, Memphis could, I don't think Memphis could have beat them. I think I think the Memphis Golden State series was a function of Golden State just didn't take them seriously. I mean, they had one game where they just threw the ball away thirty times or whatever. Right, right. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was not so much what Memphis was doing. I mean, that was but a game there was that some was blueprint. Out. There was some blueprint stuff with the size of their wings that I thought the Celtics could potentially replicate. I was not expecting the White Pritchard, you know, small guard combo. To be the ones, but I thought White was so important defensively. Smart one defensive player of the year, and White was more important than him defensively in this game by far. Yeah, I thought I thought Smart. I mean, I, I think White had a good game defensively. I thought Smart had a good game defensively too. There, he had a couple strips early. He was in, the, you know, once he was guarding Draymond or Iguodala, he was in the lanes, and that kind of had an impact where you didn't even really see it until you go back and watch right. the, the video. That again. As a roamer, yeah, yeah. But I'm with you. I mean, White White played good. I do think all that changes if now you know, White hits his career average from three and they're playing off of him. And now, the, because that's the thing that kind of happens now, the men's, it's one thing to be banging in threes when you're making threes. What if you're missing four or five in a row? You saw that mm. happen with some of the Dallas players where they missed a bunch in a row right. and then they start hesitating. So that's one thing that, it, it looks great when the shots are falling and, and then the offense can go. But I don't know, I think Boston will trust their, their process. I think Golden State's process, I think they'll trust their process too. I just don't know that Golden State's process of giving up that many open threes is sustainable versus the Celtics team. Yeah, it's almost you're better off taking your chances with Tatum versus just having him find open dudes all over the court. The thing with White, because you could feel it immediately with him, when he's aggressive like that and he's bouncing off dudes, he's really good. It's when he's not aggressive and afraid to bounce off dudes, then it's like, all right, why are you out here? But and it, yeah. it's a really hard thing to predict with him, but you kind of, as we've discussed, you know pretty early. Now, another one like who's like this, and this was classic, and I've been watching Jalen now for six years, and he's he has these streaks, and for whatever reason, they they seem like they happen more in the second half, and they usually happen like in the last three minutes of the third quarter, heading into the fourth quarter. It's always like there's a zone where he'll just score like 10 points in three minutes or he'll score, you know, 12 points in four minutes, but he just, he's weirdly streaky for somebody who so reliably is like between 22, 24 points a game. But he was so hot that, um, at one point Tatum had the ball and didn't give it to him. And Jalen was kind of calling for it subtly and Tatum dribbled the other way and went it and it got tipped out of bounds. And those guys looked at each other and Jalen, was like this and they had this eye contact thing. And it was just like, I can't, not describing it properly, but it was one of those things that two years ago, Jalen just would have gotten mad. And, and that that would have been it, right? Then Tatum and he's just like, fuck that. Why don't I get the ball? But they they have so much trust with each other now. Jalen was like, hey man. But do you I'm, remember the, I'm the talk a few years ago was you couldn't win with both those guys. They had to get rid of one of those guys. Remember that? And right. I think that's a testament. I never to felt that aim. way. Yeah, as a testament to Ainge and the the rest of their front office for not overreacting and realizing what they have and 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 how how difficult it is. Look, I was definitely 
trying to. <laughs> you were eyeballing <laughs> Jalen. I remember you were texting me. Yeah, I was definitely thinking, hey, I got a guy. I can think of a guy we might want to trade for for Jalen Brown if they're looking for a center. Um, but yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was. But, I mean, they didn't get rid of him, and that's you know they they built a nice team around those two. Yeah, there's no dueling banjo stuff with those guys. Jalen had the hot hand. Tatum didn't recognize it for that one play, but then recognized it again, and then you know was doing his stuff. And then the other thing we talked about this when I called you today. The Horford, I mean Horford, twenty six points. Horford's really good. <laughs> he's my guy. Really, he was. He's, who's he, better, he, Horford or Draymond? Let me ask you this. Who's, I who's, think. Who's, uh, I honestly think Horford, when he has rest like that, is probably more impactful as a playoff player because I, he can I agree stretch with you the floor. He's, he's a he's a better offensive player by far. Yeah, and, and and if you were to swap positions, that's the thing I would look at. Like Draymond is good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to disparage Draymond. He's a very bright player. He's a very good. He's player, an incredible but, defensive player. Yeah. But but what is his offensive impact on a team without Steph Curry? Let, let's think about that for a second. Because so much yeah. of his negatives on offense and his positives on offense work really well with Curry because he can make those passes. He can do the handoffs. He's very good. He, no other team's going to build their offense as him being like the linchpin <laughs> with the ball handler. Right. With guys running off the ball. Like no other team has that type of roster. Players that could do that. So I think Horford, I think Horford's a more valuable player than he is. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's very apparent. Well, one thing I liked about him in this series, I mentioned this to you today, with the with the three days rest. You know, the Celtics played twelve games in twenty three days. Yeah, that was amazing when you said they that. Played, I hadn't even thought of that. They played two freak teams, right? They played this Giannis Drew, Wesley Matthews, just like this physical team with this PJ Tucker. PJ, well, then that was the next series, yeah. But yeah, they, the next series, yeah. Round two, they're going against this generational freak athlete who's just looming over the entire series, like the shark from Jaws. And then you go to the next series, and you have the PJ Tucker. You got Jimmy Butler. You have Bam, who's like weirdly like a streaky defensive player. And then you have Lowry, who is just he's grabbing you, he's pulling you, he's clutching you, he's taking these moving charges. And both of Miami those was series, playing a different sport that series. I mean, that was like, yeah, not to interrupt you, but that was, I mean, they were very physical and playing every other day uh, against a team that physical is tough. Against that, two teams that were that physical. So I, I, I was feeling with Horford, now we're going game two Sunday. It's a three days mm. rest or two and a half days rest. Then it's three and four Wednesday, Friday. But then after that, it's, two days rest between each game. And I, I think I think that helps Horford more than any other player in this series because he's old. He turns 36 on Friday. But man, you saw the guy today had four days rest. He looked like he was 25. And I'll tell you this, I'm not saying people on the Warriors don't want it. And I'm not saying people on the Celtics don't want it. Horford, this would be the most meaningful thing to him of any player in this series. This is a guy who could not get over the hump, who's been in the league for a long time, who hit rock bottom in Philly, um, who goes to OKC and just gets put on ice and becomes this kind of, hey, you have to, you know, you have to, we have to take your bad contract back with a pick. And I just think he's so invigorated by the chance that, that possibility of just winning a title. You just see it. Like he's, he had that, that big play when he had kind of the clincher and he does that fist pump to the Warriors crowd. There's like no Celtics fans there, barely. But he's like, I don't know, man. He's doing stuff in these playoffs that, remember the rap on him was he was too soft? For yeah, years. Yeah, that was definitely the rap. I mean, I think I think people slept on him uh, because of that 
odd fit in in Philadelphia. That you know, it was Embiid, him, and Simmons. You got three non. Well, Embiid at the time wasn't much of a three point shooter. He's an unwilling three point shooter, whether he could shoot right. or not. And so he got a bad rap there. Everyone talked about how awful that contract was. But I mean, he's certainly proving people wrong now. That's for sure. It's his birthday today, I think, too, isn't it? Is it his birthday? Yeah, yeah. it says. I think he turns thirty six this week. So we got the series flipped. We have Celtics are minus one seventy to win. The game two line is Celtics plus four and a half. Is that yeah. should we just pencil in the extender for game two? Just, <laughs> just get his hotel room ready. What's gonna happen? <laughs> he's he's certainly he's certainly gonna be calling some of these games. Um uh if I were a betting guy. I would be looking to bet the Celtics in games three, four, and five for sure. I might take the day off on Sunday and not bet them depending on the situation. But I feel like if, if there's a game that Golden State's going to win this series, it'll probably be the one on Sunday. Um, give me a, a warrior season. who's going to do, give me a warrior who's going to go off on Sunday, in your opinion, from what you saw today with the adjustments that are coming. Who's <laughs> that's actually a good question. Um, uh, I mean, I guess Clay could go off. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, Steph's going to have a good game. Steph's just too good not to have a good game. They're not going to shut down Steph. But aside from him, who are you? Who are you banking on? I mean, maybe maybe Otto Porter Jr. can get hot from, on and make like four threes. Is that like that's probably like the cap for him? Uh, although, he, oh, that's a good shot. one. Yeah, him maybe. I don't know. I mean, maybe Gary Payton Jr. plays and. And changes up the way they defend as well. I mean, that, you know, maybe picks up a little bit and causes some havoc and causes some turnovers and they get out in full court. The half court versus um, transition numbers in this game, I thought were pretty interesting too. So that's a, that's a big factor. You know, the one thing that's interesting that nobody really thinks about is one of the reasons why Boston has such a good road record. Uh, you know, they're, they're one of the teams who plays offense in front of their bench in the second half. I think that mm. was a big factor in this game. Um, I agree Golden State was not able to defend in the fourth quarter. They had no idea what they were doing and they didn't have their bench right in front of them to tell them what to do. Uh, and I think that was a big factor. So if the Warriors win on FanDuel, Golden State is almost two to one money line and Clay Thompson, 20 plus points is minus 108. Plus 170 is the same game parlay. Oh, I didn't. You, I was like, why is he asking gonna me win? this question? I, didn't no, just, I, I was trying to come up with one fun, another game, another one, fun, <laughs> one fun same game parlay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, Poole yeah. could have a good game too, by the way. I mean, he yeah. had an awful game. It'd be hard for him to play as bad as he did offensively. Uh, I just think they're not going to be able to play him and those other two guys together at the same time like we talked about. So I'm not sure how many minutes that gives him. I have to tell you before we go, I don't think I've ever been in a position where I've rooted against Steph Curry. <laughs> Cause I've always had I've always bet the Warriors, right? Even 2015, I had a whole with Sal and I had them to win the title at 30 to 1. And just 2016 we had them. 2017, 18, there's no way you're betting against them. They haven't really been relevant the last couple of years. And then last year in the play-in, I think I bet them. This year did not bet. I it's that first quarter, it was the first time I'm like, God, I hope. Oh no! Oh, oh I, I, I've never had an experience like that because usually I'm rooting for the threes to go in, and this time, <laughs> you know, you know they're going in. He hasn't even shot it yet, and you're like, "Oh, that's going in!" God damn it! Yeah, it was terrifying. Between, between that, the shimmying after the three, 
And then I talked about this before, but like Clay bouncing around like a show pony to me is like the most, <laughs> like when Clay's on fire and he's just bouncing around like a show pony, that has to be the most tilting thing ever. Like if you if you're working for a team or if you're betting against Golden State and Clay's hot and he's dancing around like a show pony, that is just that like stings like nothing else you can imagine. But yeah, the Clay the the, the Steph three point shooting is is definitely he stressful hit, for sure. He hit six threes in a quarter. Like I like I remember MJ did that against the '92 Trailblazers and he did it in a half and it seemed like the most amazing thing and anyone ever done in a basketball game. It's like oh my God, the guy had six threes and Steph just did it in like ten minutes. And ended with seven, by the way. Yeah. Well, he had, that. again, that if he had hit that one when they were up 15, I, I think it's game time. The Tatum over-under for assists, by the way, is five and a half. I do think if they're going to keep playing him that way, you could honestly see him average 10, 10 plus assists in this And yeah, that's a good one. That's actually a really bright one. I like that one. They'll probably, now that you've talked about it, the, the line will probably move. So, you, so listeners better get on that one quick when they hear it. Because I think the that's over actually five and a half. real bright. Yeah. I think that's actually a really really good one. So if you like the Celtics, you do the plus four and a half. The sweep heading into the series, by the way, is 14 to one. I always look because I think of, what was the time you bet the, didn't you bet a sweep once? Did you hit us? Was that you? Somebody I know hit a, hit a crazy I don't sweep. normally, I don't normally bet exact series prices. So I don't, yeah, it had I, to be somebody else. Yeah. I don't think that was me. I'll take credit for it though. Why not? Yeah. The Won't sweep so is a fun one. The <laughs> other one I liked in this series was the, uh, the biggest lead you know, they have that bet sometimes. I didn't even look to see what it was today, but this seemed like one of those series where there'd be big leads and then somebody's going to come back and, you know, so usually the biggest leads like 15 and a half, but just felt like maybe that I didn't bet hit today. I bet there's props that you can exploit that smart guys are exploiting that where the, where the lines makers haven't figured out the new, the new world of three-point shooting and how, I know the in-game lines are bananas. Like I, I look at the in-game lines sometimes during the playoffs yeah. and they're just not, I mean, they're just they're discounting the comeback. I think way too much. They were for a while, and now I think they've over adjusted. And now, where you can actually get pretty good value, uh, I think betting the team that's up. So it's it's pretty interesting. It's just it's it's all these things are such are are so interesting to follow because the samples are so minute in some cases that you really have to when you're making these lines, you have to really be sure of what you're doing. Or you know the other thing option is just kicking out anyone with a with a with a brain, which is what some sports books do. <laughs> anyone right. with a brain just gets kicked out, so they have that going for them too. But it's tough to make all those lines. I think over whatever that assist number was is probably a decent one. Well, this is happening in, in foot. I know you don't mess around with football, but um, it's a thing that's happened in football where people have just made because it's so passing oriented now. People can come back from twenty to nothing. They can oh, come back from. 28 to seven and you just throw the ball and all of a sudden it's a tie game. So the in-game stuff, it's really volatile. And, you know, especially in football where you have like three minutes to think about it. Basketball is a little tougher. But how many times have we seen comebacks in basketball? We've seen like at least 10 in the playoffs, right? Well, there hasn't been many this year because most of them have been those big blowouts. That was the, that was kind of the new thing is all the blowouts and comebacks. But, but yeah, and early in the first few rounds and there were certainly some comebacks for sure. Yeah. Definitely. All right, Bob. It was great to see you as always. Um, when it, you have to come on one more time. I'll. I'll yeah, I, know, could, I know you're a man. You're a man of the world. I'm, Who knows? Where I'm heading to be. Europe. I'm heading to Europe on the ninth, so the time will be uh, will be a little bit different. But I'm definitely definitely down to come around. We can do a pod from from there, I suppose. All right. Thanks for popping on. I appreciate it.
We're in the middle of the NBA Finals, and it's your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Bet the money line, point spreads, player props, so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with a same-game parlay. I like the Celtics in game two with the extra rest. So I would look at the money line with them. I'd look at the over with them too because, you know, three days rest, you get comfortable from the arena from game one and you just roll. Just sign up with promo code BS. If you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing in on all the action. Join today with promo code BS. Turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets. Win or lose. Make every game feel like game seven with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel the official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager of at least $5, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable. Free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117, 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800gambler.net. This episode is brought to you by Nissan. Get ready to level up your adventures with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe-inspiring spots with seven drive modes with all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. All right, I am here with Adam Sandler. You're yeah. in his office yeah. in an undisclosed location in the LA area. Just woke up from a nap. Is that what happened? Well, yeah, you said you wanted to brush your teeth. I didn't know it was well, going Well, I brushed on. my teeth. Uh, so what happened was I got up at six this morning. I thought I could be strong all day. And then around 10.45, I started going, I think I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going down for the count. So Old I, guy crash? A little 10-minute hit and run. <laughs> lay on this thing. that It was a couch that was too short for me, so I was in a bad mood the whole sleep. Well, you had to do a lot of basketball in this hustle movie, which I, we should just talk about it now. Let's you because you're playing a scout and you had yes. to do you're you're basically trying to yeah my guy Wancho who had a cup of coffee with the Celtics you're trying to bring he, he his did. character yes yes um, but you're doing a lot of drill stuff and it was yeah. I was actually impressed by how much basketball you did well I mean I I all I did was throw passes to Wancho and then he did all it the work great. right look good I think, yeah right on time I was right by the way I can't throw an alley oop. <laughs> Terrible. I get every time somebody goes, throw one up for me, Adam, I go, oh no. And then I see these guys jump. I'm way late. They just stare at me while they're three feet up in the air, like, what happened? We got to throw it like three feet to the side, right? To the side. Yeah, and you're the not, time is right. And you, you can't float it too much and you kind of be a slightly crisp, but I, I'm not good at that. So I think you're in the running now for, we might have talked about this the last time, the sports movie. Yeah. This is, what is this, like your fifth? Well, August Yard, okay, Happy Long Gilmore, Bobby Boucher, that's Waterboy, and uh, then this one. There's not another one. I'm missing. Right? So you're four. Four is like Costner territory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I by the way, I, baseball is the only sport that I'm halfway decent at. It never happened. I, I have not played baseball on camera yet, and I was pretty good. 
not not awesome, but I, in Little League, I was real good. You could have done like a, I don't know, Bad News Bears 7. Yeah, I would have definitely taken that part. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Bob did that one. You were remaking Longest Yard, which I, I forgave you for like 10 years ago. You know, it was a mistake. That really hurt my feelings mine when you too, did that. Mine too, but the only reason it was going, it was going, they were doing it. Uh, and it was and it was cool, and I was like, "Well, if they're doing it, I might as well be in it." But then, uh, yeah, compared to the first one, not even close. Well, it made a ton of money, right? Ended up doing all right, paid for some things in our house, but uh, well, you, you got Bert into it. I Bert's thought it was important it, to be got Bert. to know Bert, got to know Bert, got you know the movie's cool. Got to hang out with some amazing people, friends with Michael Irvin now, so everything's all right. Chris Rock, he's he's the Undertaker. Yeah, that's right. Was it that caretaker? Caretaker, caretaker, yeah, not the Undertaker. The Undertaker's a wrestling <laughs> thing. Then you had some good football players in there. Incredible. I, my whole rule with remakes, and this is why I was offended by the Longest Yard, even yeah. though I did enjoy it. Now yeah. my son likes it. And yeah, he your would, son likes it. He would never watch the old one. He would watch yours. Thank you. So you win that one. But <laughs> I just feel like with remakes, I if the other if the old one is still super rewatchable, yeah, it makes no sense to do it. It, it made no sense. They were doing it. It was, everyone was excited. Well, you got to throw some spirals. You look good as the QB. Yeah, I could throw a 40, 45-yard pass now. And I don't think I could do that right now, though. The shoulder wouldn't yeah, handle yeah. that one. But your son likes mine, so everything's all right. I, that I brought him joy. Well, the old one also starts with Bert punching his girlfriend, which isn't awesome. That's oh, that, yeah, that had, that's not, uh, not, yeah. not that rewatchable. The, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I always felt like that was the first modern sports movie. Because if you think about it, like that's 1974. Uh huh. You have that rollerball yeah. the next year with Jimmy Kahn. The best. Then you got Rocky and Bad News Bears same My year. God. And then it's off. Everybody's just like, all right, can't we're, follow we're that. Can't beat those. Can't yeah. beat Bad News Bears. Can't be, beat Rocky. Everything you do in, in this movie and in, in Hustle, and we were like, well, Rocky, that was Rocky. Rocky did this. Rocky did that. We're set in Philly, so it's so very Rocky. So that's why I made some comment when he ran up the stairs. Wancho runs up these stairs, and I had to give him a rocky, some rocky love, or mm. I'd be an insane person not to. Well, your hustle is like this 2020s version of a sports movie. It's like where we've landed because yeah, every idea has been done, right? Yeah, we, yeah, and we hit that point. Like when you had your renaissance with this, you were in the sports movie renaissance in the 90s when you had Waterboy and Happy Gilmore. Yeah, it was like kind of. The ge our generation that grew up with sports movies. That's 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 cool. And yes. it's like, all right, we're gonna now. This is our. These are ours. We're gonna do these. We're gonna make the either make them funnier or make them. Well, like when blue I did chips, it, when whatever. I did, well, blue chips. That's another great one. And um, but um, when I did Happy Gilmore, I was so terrified of uh, uh, not being, you know, like you did. Caddyshack was too much. That was the best of the best. Right. So when we were doing a golf movie, we were like, we felt so lame. Uh, releasing it, we're like, oh man, Caddyshack, people are going to want to kill us. But um, it ended up all right. And the best thing about a sports movie that for us is the, the third act, you kind of build towards some big game. It just makes makes life easy. You go, all right, we know we got a big game. We don't have to know necessarily how it's going to turn out, but we know we're going to get to a big game. I texted you where I was watching with my my family yes on saturday i text you halfway yeah. through it's like yeah. you motherfucker you figured this one out another sports uh, movie underdog never yes. fails you're right it is an underdog movie everybody's an underdog my guy's a beaten soul wancho's character didn't get a shot because his life was um holding him back and um and it's just real man it's cool 
It's Anthony Edwards and Wancho going at it. It's amazing. There's so many. Yeah, I have some Anthony Edwards questions. Yeah. I, I think like from an era standpoint, so we had like that era when you made Happy Gilmore yeah. and, and Waterboy. And so you have that whole era. And then yes. the documentaries come in late 2000s and then it's like sports movies go to like another level, right? The money ball, things well, like that, true. where it's like, we're not, yeah. it's not just, we're not just doing the underdog anymore. If we're going to yeah. do a sports movie, you have to have these wrinkles. There has to be authenticity. You have to That's bring, good. That's true. You have to bring athletes into it that actually played. And yeah. so this movie has a lot of pieces, right? It's like, yeah. It's a movie about a scout. Like I don't think they're making that in 1990, right? Well, they did. They did the baseball scout, right? Al Albert Albert Brooks played a scout. He found you're Brandon right, Frazier. and that 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 didn't do well. I don't know if it did well or not. I don't know, but I know it, it was definitely something that people would. When I would say we're I'm playing a scout, people would bring it up to me. Oh, like the scout, and I'd say, oh, shh, we better make sure we don't steal anything from the scout. I don't think that was an issue. It wasn't an issue. It was, it was baseball. It was baseball, and and Albert Brooks and I are different. God, different I barely guys. remember that one. Yeah, I think what's what's cool about some of the sports movies now is you can pull these real life people in. Like you have Anthony yeah. Edwards in. Yeah, I don't even think he's twenty one yet. I'm fascinated yeah, by right. him, yeah, and he's would. like a really good actor. I, I was he was, was kind of a dick in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, him and Wancho are, are very tight. And so Wancho knew we had we needed a bad guy in the movie that was messing with Wancho's character. And then Wancho just texted us one day, uh, Jeremiah Zagard's the, the director, texted us, said, I'm I'm friends with the, you know, Anthony, we're, we're teammates and we have we always go at it on the uh, when we're practicing and stuff and and uh we, we, we said is does he want to do it? And I, yeah, he seems like he wants to do it. So then he just came in, worked on his acting. We, we had this woman that uh, kind of dealt with all the all the basketball players and helped them with uh, their lines and mm. what they're thinking and what they're doing and what, what everything means. And Anthony Edwards got incredible in there. Him and Wancho, pretty damn real. I think he has it, just in general. I mean, come on. Yeah, he is one pure funny guy. Well, he just, he's got like a charisma and a personality. He's got the athletic ability. Yes. I'm even talking outside the movie. Yes. If you're just targeting like guys under 27 who might be the biggest star in the league, I don't know if it's going to happen for him, but he has a lot of the tools. He has, Some all, all the guys loved him too. When we, we played one day, we, we had like a week when it was um, with, with a lot of the guys from the league were hanging out and those guys were shooting around and. You can't help but anytime Anthony did something, everybody would smile, laugh. He's just ferocious and funny as hell. And you know about confident. his his dog, right? Yeah, yeah. What, his dog has a Twitter account that Anthony oh. Edwards runs, and his dog's <laughs> name is Anthony Edwards Jr. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. He's <laughs> he does cool. these tweets about his dad. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got it, man. I think that guy. He's all a young, these young youngster. dudes in the league now. There's so many good it, ones. This was definitely the year of the youngsters. Yeah. Uh, they, this is where you just go, man, there's so many guys who are great right now. You're still like, watching a ton, right? Even when you're doing movies, you're still I watch a everything. lot. I watch a lot. I didn't get, I haven't seen every game in the last, I saw the ending the other night with the Celtics and the Heat. I saw the last quarter. I've been that kind of guy where I get to pick and choose. The family sometimes stares at me like, are you kidding me? How long are you going to sit here? It's not like your life where this is your living. This isn't my living. Watching NBA and and baseball games and stuff, my family's a little bit disgusted with me. My family is constantly disgusted with me. Yeah, but you... And the it's a living excuse does not really work <laughs> It anymore. doesn't work. 
Because we hit these points in the sports schedule, you know, like late April where there's the, you know, eight, eight matchups going on in the first round. And it's just, there's games every night. My wife's like, I hate this time of year. (laughs) (laughs) Did she watch with you? I saw her watching the the hustle with you. She watched hustle. She looked, well, I, my family's very pro Sandler. I mean, I know you uh, you, you haven't done bad for yourself in life, thank, but thank you. Um, you're, you're I fin- think there's a rewatchability, especially uh, yeah. There's some of them that are just it just feels like they're gonna live on and on. It's, I mean, Happy Gilmore. Now, how old is Happy Gilmore? Now, like 27 yeah. years. Exactly. It's been around, and it's it's been, it's, it's, it's just gonna keep going. It's like yeah. how we thought about Caddyshack and some of those movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, bad News Bears. Bad News Bears. Caddyshack, prop and yeah, longest yard, slap shot. That got me too. Or, did you watch your movies with your kids? Like that? Like when? When? When did your kids watch Happy Gilmore? That's that's when one of my daughters always says, "I don't know if I like that one, Daddy. You're very aggressive." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, they they. I think I watched a lot of my movies with them, and I sit there for twenty minutes, and then I see either they're loving it. Or they're if I see them tune out for they they kind of stay they stay into it most of them. What who, so what bombed? What did terribly? They were Zohan. I my my ass is out in that one. That I don't think they were thrilled. I think that was the timing. I think it was a sleepover too. I think their friends were over. I walked in. I'm like, oh no, they're watching the Zohan. This was a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden, Daddy's ass is out, and <laughs> their friends asleep. But I think that would ruin the night. But everything else worked well. How do you know when you're making a movie? I mean, you've had a lot of ones that worked, but a couple that didn't. Do you, do you know as you're filming it that it might not work, or do you talk yourself into it? I like them. I like them all while I'm doing them. I believe yeah. in them all while I'm doing them. Um, so you never have doubt. Never creeps in. Because I remember, like some- my my TV show got canceled, and you know, I did, I don't know, like 18 episodes, but I didn't really realize until like the ninth episode, like, oh, I might be in trouble. Really? Yeah. You I felt, felt like it. the first ones, I was like, yeah, we're getting, we're getting, I, I see like the, you know, cause yeah, it's, if it's you're competitive, growing. you're just talking yourselves in the things that you think is working. Right. Right. You know? And plus there's a reason you're doing it. You believe in it. So you, if you believe in something, of course you, you think, but yeah, I, I used to know the world. There was, and when my movies would come out in the theaters, there's a thing called tracking, you know what that right. is? Like three and a half weeks before, they kind of give you some numbers yeah. of what the feel of the world is right now on your And and I sadly started being able to read that stuff. So like three and a half weeks out, I would be like... It's like on, a movie psychic. It's, it, it tells you, that, yeah, what, what kind of numbers you're looking at, what's going to happen. And I would know three and a half weeks out where it's feeling like it's gonna go mm. and uh and i would have friends go oh that thing's gonna be huge man blah, blah. And in my head i'd be like oh boy i'm about, <laughs> I'm about to disappoint a lot of people well, but then the ones that are tracking good you're like yeah baby you got some confidence what was the one out of all of them that you were just like i know this is gonna be a huge hit people are going to love this well i literally thought billy madison when we first did it and wrote it and i was like well, this is going to be the greatest thing of all time because I was a kid. Yeah. It's my first one. I knew I'd want to see it. I was like, how did someone not do an elementary school movie? How did this not right. happen? A grown man in elementary. That we were so just like excited. And then it did fine. It didn't do, wasn't huge. Yeah. Uh, but but it, 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 it lived on, lived yeah. on. Right. And so that, that's kind of great. 
Uh, but um, I think at that time I was I was always just like, oh, wait till the water boy comes out. They're going to like that. I was very psyched about each one we put up. Now I'm just like, I think this is good. I like it. I'm going to work hard to make it as good as I can. I have no idea where it's going to land. But um, hustle, I feel real good about. Hustle's Hustle will do very well. Yeah, Hustle's got yeah, a nice vibe to it. There's, it has something for everybody. I, I thought I was interesting in my, in my house. What yeah. plays? Yeah, what what? That doesn't sound like this is an advertisement for the movie, but you know, we have different people in my house, right? right. Me and my wife like yes. different things, right? Right. My daughter pretty much likes everything as long as it has a heart, and then my uh -huh. son is the toughest audience of all. Right, right, right. right. He's, he's looking for any excuse to be the, out. He's fourteen year yeah. years old. And to be like, ah, oh, that sucks or whatever. So the fact that everybody was kind of into it, I was like, this is a good sign. For That's movie. good. You're hitting four different demos. That's big. Especially yeah. me, because I don't. I'm I'm always prone to be defensive with sports movies and sure. Or also, we watch sports movies and go, that guy can't play and right. blah blah blah. And in this movie, you're just like, wow, everybody's pretty damn good. It's actually Wancho is so good in the movie that it made me kind of reevaluate. I was like. Why is this guy a better player? Like, like, how is he not like a you know, starter? Wancho, when he's when they screwed around, when the guys would just be playing ball and loose, he's he's incredible. He hits shots. I think I think he's just like um, he's got possibilities to be awesome. He and, should be an absolute stretch for asset for somebody. But th this is the problem with the NBA. You can. You know, he bounced around, right? He's in Denver, he's in Minnesota, yeah. he came to the Celtics, then he gets traded he, he, twice this year. You were all over. You knew what he was doing the whole time when we would text about that. But his... Um, Every time he came in, I'm like, I'm like, watch out. He's Wancho. in. Yeah, but, he, he, but watch out what he was in. Had some nice moments with Utah. Yeah. He felt good. He was friends. And, and uh, Jordan Clarkson's in the movie and Del Demps, um, who's, uh, who was an assistant coach on the Jazz. They, those, they, I think that made Wancho feel good too. That because he knew those guys, so when he got on the team, he felt comfortable. It must be scary as hell. You land on a new team mid-season, you got you're not sure who's psyched you there, who's not psyched, and you got to start over. Right. It's almost better to land on a crap team than I think a team like yeah, Utah, yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. kind of a set team already. Did you feel like um, is it easy to get these guys to be in a movie? Like you have I, Tobias Harris in this movie and he's yeah. in actual scenes and yeah, yeah. there's a lot of little cameos from stuff, but do, do these people, cause I always felt like with Entourage, it just seemed like everybody was so delighted to be an Entourage, like right, right, over and over right. again and be like, oh yeah, sure. I'll do that, a scene. Even that, like Tom Brady was an Entourage, that's, but is it easy or hard to get those people? you're shooting in LA, a lot of guys are like, want a reason to go to LA and hang out. So they're like, yeah, I'll do a day on that. But. This one was shot in Philly. First of all, the Sixers were so cool to us. They let us use everything they got, the whole, the, all the facilities, all the coaches, everybody, you know, Doc and, and, and a lot, a lot of the players uh, were, were in a lot of scenes and yeah, we did stuff in the morning, did stuff at night. This, we just got to hang with those guys. Um, it's not that easy where you write a part for someone and you guarantee they're going to come, but LeBron and, being a part of the movie, everything is LeBron's like the stamp work. of approval because that it's whole generation idolizes yeah. him. He's great. Yeah, He's the, he makes the end. We made sure anything that had to do with the NBA because LeBron was involved. It, it just get got yeah. Done. They they roll over for that. Sure, it's like that same thing with Jordan twenty five years ago. Right? right. Yeah. It's like Absolutely. LeBron wants to do this. Okay, you yeah. you do that, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, hundred uh, percent. I wonder who'll be the next guy who's like that. 
Because, you know, at yeah. some point it's going to end with LeBron. And who, I wonder, who, like, who, is who will be the next guy? Because remember, after MJ left, we had six, seven years where everybody's kind of vying for the throne. Right. Nobody really got it until LeBron went to Miami, basically. Well, Kobe was pretty, pretty. Kobe was in there, but, right, you know, but he it also wasn't, didn't, they, he missed the playoffs one year. Right, right. You know? Uh, Tracy McGrady at one point, they were saying him. It was going to be Grant Hill. It was going to be Shaq. And none of those guys ever told it. And then LeBron was the first guy. I was like, this is clearly the guy. That he started so young. Yeah. Started so young. Everybody, we all knew him when he was 14. So that was, that does bring you in in a, in a nice light. I don't know, man. There's some greats out there right now, though. There's so many young guys that are ridiculous. What a year this was. It's a talent boom. We have this, I mean, this happens in comedy. This happens in music. That's true. You think like even when you were making your first couple movies, I was thinking about like comedies during that era. Yeah. What a cool era for comedies it was. Man. It you was you like, and you had Farley. Yeah. You Jim Carrey had three movies in one year. Oh, yeah. The he, Farrelly Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, there was just this explosion of Myers, funny movies. Stiller. Yeah. Mike Myers had a yeah. whole bunch of them. Yeah. I, it was crazy. It was crazy. We all got shots to, to do our thing. It was kind of like every two months, one of us got to have a movie come out. You know, I don't know. Carrie, Carrie was definitely, he, he kicked down the doors for, for us with just being a monster. What do you have? He had Ace Ventura, yeah. Dumb and Dumber, and I think The Mask, the mask. all in like 10 yeah, months. That was insane. And then he was in Batman. And right. then it was just kind of like, well, he's un uncatchable. Cable guy gets paid $20 million. That, yeah, That's yeah. the first time comedies were treated like oh, yeah, he did. big budget movies. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I what, did, should, what did you make for like Happy Gilmore? Do you remember? Not not that much. I don't remember. But but was I remember you think I it was got, like under a million bucks. I, I, yeah, in that ballpark. I mean, that's pretty good. But for a young idiot. But um, I do think Happy Gilmore ended up making. I made more money down the line with how much they ran it and stuff. So yeah, I didn't come out. I didn't start getting paid big money till actually the. the, the the wedding singer made pretty good money because the first two started, uh, yeah. did well, Billy and Happy. And so then they, they gave me some more money than I thought I would ever get. What was Wedding Singer or Waterboy? Which one was first? First the Wedding Singer, then the Waterboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when it just seemed like. That's when everything changed after those two. I feel like that would have happened for Farley too. If he, oh, 1000%. It just would have been like every year there's a Farley movie and I'm yes. going to go see it. He'd still be killing. Yeah, yeah. He, he was more lovable than any human being uh, and and would would be up to do anything you ask him to as a as a comedian and a, a direct all the all the great directors loved him i remember when they'd come by saturday night live it, was, right. it would be like no one else was alive you just they'd be staring at farther like oh my god here he comes he would just dominate <laughs> Well, same thing, even like somebody like Letterman who interviewed like a gajillion people, right? Yes. And there's like, every time Farley came on, Letterman yeah. was just so delighted. Yeah, and, and exactly. Yeah, I know. We would talk about that with Farley. He'd be like, Letterman loves you, man. And he'd be like, yeah, he does. <laughs> Get all shy, but cocky. <laughs> this episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. Have you ever been in an accident? and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm. 
is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Nothing goes better with basketball than a nice cold bottle of Michelob Ultra, a superior light beer that makes watching a game so much better. Plus, we're getting into the summer months now, right? Get a little, you know, weekend finals game or a Stanley Cup game, whatever you want. A uh, little cold brew. Maybe, maybe enjoy it on a Saturday or a Sunday night. Enjoy the game even more with Michelob Ultra. Make sure to stock up for the NBA Finals because this might be a long NBA Finals. You got to be ready. Order a pack of Michelob Ultra now on DoorDash.com. LDA, 21 and up. Well, who's in your office? I can't remember if we talked about this last time with KG. Who's in the SNL office? It Who was are you me, sharing it with? Me and Rock. And then next to, and it was like me and Rock are here and right over there is uh, Spade and Farley. And we hung a, a lot. And it's just know. the four of you guys yes, in yes. the wee hours. Yeah, and Farley's yeah, yeah. just figuring out ways to make you laugh, <laughs> usually with like nudity or farting. He was, he was, he didn't fart that much, but he certainly was nude a lot. <laughs> 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 and then me and Rock, we shared our office and me and Rock knew each other when we were 17. We, we just, I, we lucked out. And I don't even know how it all happened that we had the same office, but we just, we would, we were tight. Did, was it weird for you and Rock when, all your, you have so many different things that's taking off and he's trying to find this niche and he, he had like Nat X and a couple of, but he wasn't hitting like you were on the show. I think he, he, I, he was, bef he was more popular than me on the show. He had a lot more things going on. I was just a writer in the beginning. Yeah. And then I slowly weaseled my way on there more, but rock, I think by the time I started really have rock, by the way, he used to come to the office on a Monday after I did something and be like, Sandler, whatever, whatever skit, like the Halloween costumes thing, you know, such as that he would talk to people mm. and his buddies, he'd be like, that one worked, you know, like mm. he kind of always knew what was happening. And then all of a sudden he would tell you something like, don't do that one again or something like that. <laughs> like, oh, really? Okay. But, um, so you felt like there was like a big picture savviness to him even way rock, back then. Rock thought things through. Always, always, uh, was like a teammate rock also i remember when we would have a skit if you had a, a good performance where the crowd liked it i would walk off stage like all right and then rock would come running at me i'd be like oh and he would jump like we were on the knicks and we'd bump <laughs> chest and be like sandler like he was such a nice guy about it all always that was such a crazy time for the show because you had all these you know, it was still a cast, but you had all these people that just went on to bigger things from the show. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. it made it seem like that's how it went if you were on the show, then all these things. And it was just like, actually, no, that's not how it's going to go. It, it's actually it, really hard to make it after you leave the show. It, you know, I, a lot of, a lot of people are, are doing well and have done well on the show. And, um, the cast now, a lot of funny people popping on that show right now. By the way, uh, Heidi is in the hustle. She's really good. Isn't she cool? Big Chiefs fan. She's a big, you know how She's like a psycho Chiefs her? fan. She she um did this that Michael Jordan skit. She wrote that skit where yeah. he's playing uh a quarters with with Michael Jordan and the security guard. They're flipping quarters. Right, right, right. And and I said, I called up someone, I said, Who wrote that skit? They said, 
Heidi, I said, she wrote that, man. That is the best. Yeah, she's I've, like a legit sports fan. She really knows yeah. the sports. I've been so. meaning to have her on the pod. I, I got to do that. You just reminded me. I got to. She's cool. I man. always file stuff away. Like I have to have that person on and then I forget. Yeah, I know. Of course, me too. Well, the weirdest thing for you now is freaking Hurley's son is a uh, monster. You're like a hundred years old. <laughs> that, that made kid, me feel old. Me too. Because we're like around the same age. I was yeah. like, really, Hurley's son's on the show? Kind of did it, did it in such a cool way to never, never like Tim would be like, he doesn't talk to me about anything. He just does his own thing. Doesn't want to be known as right. You well, know, for the people listening, so Hurley he was like your longtime guy. Right, he's Dating still my to guy. SNL. Yeah, I was just talking to him through. this morning. He yeah. did, he was my college roommate. We wrote all our movies together. We still write our stuff. And then his son, Martin, went to NYU, and they, he was in a comedy troupe. And they're on "Please Don't Destroy." Right? They make these videos. They're kind of the new version of like the old school Sandberg videos. So sure, just, sure. They they yeah. kind of like they don't really do music, but they do their own weird, and they cut them up great. And they and the topics are all weird and. They're just great vibe, but they're like the superstars now. I Googled after the first one. I'm like, who are these guys? Oh, and, yeah? And I was like, Hurley, that can't be the... I and know, I was man. like, wait. Is it? And then I was like, oh, he must be the redhead one. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah look, hey, they, they look a little like... But I know Martin when he was a little baby. Yeah. And I had no idea that baby was going to be funny. The thing is, if you're in a house where everybody's funny, I think that it helps. does help. There is some osmosis yeah. with the comedy, especially if, if people are crossing lines in your own house, the safety of the house. Absolutely. It's going to translate at least a little bit. Like the your Hurley, kids, I bet, would be funny. They certainly uh, hear me curse a lot. They're going <laughs> to definitely curse. Last night, I was ripping some some curses and I was like, I think I got to calm down with that. Yeah. They're going to be nuts, my kids. But no, they're, 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 um, they know about comedy. Yeah, they know they la they laughed at the at the right jokes. Both my my daughters, your 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 daughter too, right? My kids same way. Like I'm always really proud of what they think is funny because yeah. I'm always like, all right, we did a good job with this. Yeah, they they, they like the subtle weird ones, and they uh, if something's too big, they just kind of stare like, yeah, 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 I've seen that. But but they la laugh at like SNL did that thing last year with Chalamet and Pete Davidson where they were like fake a a rap. Oh, with rap the flutes? Duo. With the flute? No, they were doing oh. like this rap and it just kept oh. yelling, skeet, skeet. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. This skeet, huge skeet. Thing on right, yeah, yeah. But I showed that to my kids before it became a thing. Mm -hmm. And they were immediately like, that's amazing. And they oh, watched right. it like 10 times. So right, I was like, right, oh, right. this becomes a thing. Yeah, and yeah, And then man. it became like a billion. It's amazing whatever. that age, my daughters too, when they like something, I go, oh, that's going to be big, huh? It's it, so weird that the the kids are the tastemakers from like age twelve to sixteen. Yeah, whatever they like, they're kind of ahead of they're way ahead of us. Somebody like just, we lose that advantage when they graduate I, college. Right? We become corny. Or, uh, what we're always a beat behind. Somebody just the other day when we were putting music in a another movie we produced, and and we were like, we gotta you know come up with the the right tunes. And then one guy in the way out goes, whoever's got a little brother around here, ask them. Ask the little <laughs> brother with the. Yeah. Yeah, like a 13 year old. What you so you're in college with Hurley. Yeah. And you want to be a comic. What does yeah. he want to be? That guy came to be a, a business. He he worked at um where do you work? Goldman Sachs on during the summer. And then So uh, he thinks he's going financial. He's all finance. He knows that world. He talks about I would just stare at him and be like, I, I don't even know what that means. Anything. I was so dumb. Uh, and, and you just want to be a stand up comic. You're you or I you was, don't know what you want, but you want to be funny. I think I, I know I wanted to be Eddie Murphy. I wanted to be a superstar, no doubt about it. When I was, I, it wasn't on my mind until I decided to be a stand-up. And my brother told me, you could be, uh, I, 
I was uh, applying to schools and I said, what should my uh, major be? And my brother goes, be a, you can be a comedian. You're, 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 you're like, you're funny like Eddie Murphy or, or he maybe even said, you're funnier than Eddie Murphy, something like that. And then I went, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And then once I started it, then I became obsessed. I was like, oh, I got to get good at this. And that was that. I think I told you this the last time, but I, you came to Holy Cross once. I when did, I was yeah. In college. That's funny. And just the, the classic, like terrible college stand up. Although the, we were much more excited for you than I think maybe the kids are now, but just uh, with like how they treat uh, stand ups now. Right, right, right. But it was just like the big blown out, you know, the field house where we played sports. Yeah. They just put the crappy stage up. Right, right, you right. You have to go out. Everybody kind of stands there. That's right, man. But, but it was I remember cool. being we like a good up. vibe because it was all my uh, New England friends came. Yeah, well, we were all, you know, we were, you were a New England guy when you started going on that on SNL. I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. you're always filing that one away. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's from around here. Yeah. I know, I know. And I used to always on purpose try to write stuff that I knew my New England friends would laugh at it, uh, references and stuff like that. And uh, you can do the accent, which helps because, yeah, exactly. From a comedy standpoint, a lot that of people helps. fuck that up. Yeah, yeah. And you get, as a New Englander, you get angry at the fake the Pepperidge Farm guys, you would go like, ah, oh, come on, man. But, um, but yeah, Holy Cross, I, I kind of remember that gig. I don't remember everything, but I do remember that my albums were starting to do well. Right. And that was the my big, even more than SNL was my my albums when I would get to the college. That, that's what the kids talked to me about. So when, when you're doing those albums, does... Did you get that money? Did you have to split it with SNL? How did that work? Uh, some yeah, of those songs Lawrence were on SNL. company uh, uh, had a ch I think I split it with them, yeah. Yeah. And uh, But I, that's one where I went, um, I know this is going to be good. I know, like, like you know how we were saying what movies, you know. Yeah. My, al my first album and my second album, I, I, they were always saying, no, just do stand-up. Do stand-up. They didn't want to do it the way I, I did it. And I would say, like, Oh, I think I'm pretty sure it's going to be cooler this way because I'm Cheech and Chong, man. That's all we listen to. Yeah. And they, and, and they were like, well, maybe you'll get that down the line, but let's just do stand up. And I think that was like the first time I went, wait a minute. I think I got to stand up for what I want right. to do a little more. That was like the first time I went, I, I'm pretty, you got to listen to me and they're going to like it better like this. You kind of have to have that quality if you're going to become really successful yeah. because you can just right. get rolled over by the wrong idea. Well, the uh, SNL kind of taught you that when, when, as a comedian, you went, you wrote your thing and then you produced your own piece. Yeah. And, and that, and so you decided what you were wearing and what, what you could talk to the director about, uh, maybe shoot a three shot instead of that, because it gives away the joke if you do that, that kind of thing. And so then, uh, when you leave the show, you have a little bit more confidence of like, uh, it's going to work better if we do it like this when you're in a meeting with, with people who make stuff. Or you go like the Mike Myers thing where he's just like a cornerback and they just leave him alone. It's like he, Mike's going to defend he, the left side of the field and he just right. comes in with a sketch. He, 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 I don't need help from anybody. That's from the SNL world, I think. It, yeah. it, Mike could tell you what, but I'm pretty sure. You you produce your own stuff. You you do it in front of a crowd. And and you see it working, so that's when you go to do a movie. You go, oh, wait, let me let me just make sure we we do it the right way, the way yeah. I I see it. Was there competitiveness with all the guys afterwards with the movies and stuff, or is everybody just rooting for each other? Uh, at that time, I think after a while, we all became yeah. like relaxed with it. And in the beginning, you're just like you want to do well enough to 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 uh, 
let them make you another offer to do one. You know, you don't want, you don't want to have, if yours eats it and someone else's kills, they, they start going, okay, well, you're done. We'll go with just whoever, someone else. So I'm sure in the beginning, we all had a little, like, we got to get this right. But everyone's rooting for Farley. Not a soul can root against <laughs> Farley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably Norm too, right? Probably hoping Norm, Dirty Work makes $200 billion. <laughs> you, you know, Norm, honest to God, everything he did, you didn't root, not root. You just went, he's incredible. You, you, didn't, you didn't like say, I don't think Norm gave a shit if he did well or not. I, I remember Norm and Chappelle, they would hang out at the same place I would hang out. Uh, the, the guy, Bob Simons, he produced Billy Madison and yeah. Happy and all the ones in the beginning. So then uh, he did dirty work and he did, he just did uh, uh, half-baked and he did all the yeah. stuff with those guys. And we'd all see each other at this little uh, place on the Universal lot and all hang out. And um, we were just like, fuck, they're letting us make movies. This is crazy. We were all, we were all mid-20s, you know, low-30s kind of shit. It was amazing. It's and it's also I think that era is just over in general with giving young comics or young comedy stars just a chance in a twenty million dollar budget. I guess like the streamers would do that, but I think so. I mean, I don't know. And in, in general, like, what is comedy? Like, what's what's happening to comedy over the last ten years? You know, I think it's so much tougher to they, even figure they, out what's funny. I think they actually do it in the way they, they, they want to do it. It's, I don't think they want to make movies like we did and, and whoever yeah. they, they, or goofy, goofy movies like we did. They're doing different ways at it. They not, a lot of comedians won't even do straight up comedy parts. They just play, right. You know, r real, uh, deep parts. And then they go, Oh yeah. And I also do stand up. And it's pretty cool. It's, it, it's I think it'd be vibe. way safer though. Like you think like Cappy Gilmore, you're making that now and, then there's some backlash because well, you, that's true. You don't realize you're taking advantage of For, elementary sure. school. It's an adult. And yeah, no, what, no. Uh -huh. like, yeah, wait yeah, a yeah, second. I'm just trying to make a funny movie. I, you definitely have to think differently now and, and smarter and, and be more aware. And it's good. It's a good thing. When did you feel like you had fuck you power to make a movie? When, when was it like, I have this idea and I'm on a run and you guys are going to make this. I, I, I don't think I ever have in my personality a fuck you. Well, I'm you know always what I a mean. little scared. I'm also, I would kind of, when I'm talking to my buddies, yeah. be like, fucking tell these motherfuckers. <laughs> I was more like that talking to my buddies. And then yeah. the closer I got to the building and saw the guys in a room like this in suicide, I'd be like, first of all, how you doing? You know, like I yeah. just get chicken every time. But on occasion, I. But it must have been like late 90s, right? Like you're going yeah, in to yeah, pitch yeah. Big Daddy and you're going to be able to make it. That that one they they had they pitched me, uh, but um, yeah. If I believed in one, I would definitely get riled up about it. I'd call up whoever says yes or no and just say, "Here's why it's good." Blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. Let's do that. It, you know, and most of the time I was right. I had a couple that that lost some money, so they went, "Calm down with your crazy attitude of saying what's great." But most of the time, they let me do my thing. Well, you're a pretty proven commodity after a while. I did I mean, it's good. Pretty safe bet. Good, good batting average back. Good in the batting day. average. Yes, yes, very, very good. When did you decide to do the production company thing? And did like somebody explain that to you that there was more value in doing it that way? You know, I didn't even. I don't even think about it. It's not that much more money in in your life. Um, it's a lot more time in my life. By the way, it 
the good news is a lot of people that I know that work at the company, they You were they one of the first paid. people that did it, though. You should give I, yourself yes. some credit. I did. It was cool. I think I did it mostly because I loved, I, wor- I worked hard. I knew kind of what I was doing. Yeah. And I, and my friends were all wanting to do it too. So I kind of was like, here, let's, let's get you going. You know, I was more like, uh, I had the opportunity to, to open doors for some other people. And then we just did it together. And, um, I, I liked, I, I like that. It's happy Madison. I like that. My dad's on the, at the beginning of every movie, I see yeah. him makes me feel good to to do as many things as we did we did we only have done 90 percent goofy comedies I, yeah i like i like doing that stuff it makes me feel good so like you didn't do like the hands made t- handmaid's tale no no like, no that, you didn't go that direction. <laughs> dark dramas i i would if if somebody wanted i i but i'm usually more confident in the comedy tone like i just yeah. did a this really cool movie it's called Spaceman, and uh, the uh, Johan Rank he directed it and he did Chernobyl, right? Yeah. So he's that was awesome. Excellent. He, yeah, he he's like incredible director. And then when I have had opinions on the script, on my acting, on the cut, I always say something, but then I go, "But you know what? You do your thing, man." Because I don't really know exactly what I'm talking about in this world. I'm not that confident, but with comedy. I will be more like, you got to fucking lose that scene, man. That's ruining this, this. And I can be very cocky with that. What What do you think is the best start to finish comedy you made? Like, what's the one that you feel? I'm sure you never don't feel like any of them are perfect, but the one you just feel like check the most boxes. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 like, I like, when I'm making them, I think they all are. But like, we loved, uh, we loved when we were making That's My Boy, we were very excited. That felt very New England. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That felt like when my brother would stop by the set and he'd watch it and be like, holy shit, that's so funny. <laughs> that's like so-and-so in our town. Yeah. I'd be like, you know what I mean? That that felt as true to growing up uh, in New England that that I did. But I, I don't know. I, I really don't I sit think that's the right it. answer if you don't. Yeah, you like pieces of different ones. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I like some. Some I go fuck. Let's go. Move on to the next scene already. What are we yeah. doing here? I look back at some like that, but um, most of the time I'm happy. You worked with PTA pretty early. Yes. Yes. Kind of turned into a decent director. It he seems did like. okay. Things were, I things were going okay for that guy. <laughs> it's funny. You I did, just uh, went away. He with... did like his third movie or his fourth movie. Yeah, some yeah third or fourth movie. He did Boogie Nights, Magnolia. He did. Hard eight, yeah. Before that, yeah, so and fourth. so forth. You just went away with him, or who'd you go away with? I went away with PTA's daughter. Uh, we went, uh, we went on a little trip, and uh, while she was, just any minute I could, I'd say, "Your father does this a lot," and she would laugh or whatever it was. I like, <laughs> I like making fun of her daddy, but uh, he's a, he's a sweetheart. You meet him ever? We've done two podcasts with him, and they were great. He's a he's cool, bastard, really like huh? a. Student of the game. He is. He likes his sports. He likes his Dodgers and Red Sox. He's allowed to like two, apparently. I never knew. No. Oh, so he's a sports bigamist. He, you're not allowed to do that, but I think because his father's New England, he gives himself yeah. uh, the Red Sox, too. I don't like the two-team thing. You can't do that, right? Baseball's I, I the did, only one. I did with the Mets as a kid. Well, different but, leagues are okay, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Still, at some point, they're going to play. Could happen. <laughs> then what do you do? Well, apparently he just lives with it and he's allowed to hate the Yankees and like the 
I don't know, whatever he does, but what he's a, a weird, great, what a great. weirdo that PTA is. What did, <laughs> what did you, uh, what did you learn from him when you did a PTA movie? Anything? Certainly, man, I, he thought differently than I did. He just very, I never made a movie like that. I, I watched him do his thing. I, by the way, when I do a movie like that, like I did for Paul, I just give myself to those guys, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Yeah. And, and, uh, whatever you think is right, then I'll have my opinions. But if you say, no, 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 I go, okay, let's move on. But, um, and that's kind of, I learned to be that kind of teammate with him. But, uh, just watching him work was different than anything I've ever seen. Just, just so many cool moves, dolly moves. Uh, I would walk over to the, uh, if I remember correctly, he'd be watching a playback of what you just did, headphones on, and he'd be kind of going, tut, 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 like doing some thing that he was like, had the score already in his head, like what he wanted the sounds to be. Mm. And he just saw, saw what he, he, he had the, the vision of what it was going to be. And he's like one of those psycho attention to detail guys. Like, oh, yeah. The water bottle shouldn't be there. It should be there. Oh, he's like, wait, frame, what? He frames, he yeah. frames his what shit cooler mean? than everybody. Yeah. He just, he just, uh, so sharp. By the way, did he tell you I went to his house one time? I don't remember exactly the age, but it might have been first grade or something. He yeah. had something written. I want to be the greatest director in the world or something like that. When he was and like seven? Yeah. Oh my God. I go, director you picked? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew I wanted to do that. I was like, you didn't want to be like a superstar? You'd be like, no. I wanted to be a director, man. I think Spielberg was like that. Is that right? Well, just like I think I think the truly great directors, they just, things come out of their eyeballs differently. Like they yeah. see a room and they just see the movie shot for it. It's like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You know, and I, I think you either have it or you don't. He's, he's, he is such a, just a normal dude hanging out and he happens to be a genius. Like you'd have no idea he knows as much as he, he knows. He just seems just like a goofy, sweet, sweetheart when, when we talk, right? Just and you normal. know his, you know, the, his dad, right? Yeah. That his dad was the ABC guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Someone's killing hookers. <laughs> Dan Ted has got a partner. <laughs> Next on Vegas. <laughs> on the love. On yeah, the that, of Fantasy Island. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. What, uh, what that, amazing. That guy was an icon when And we were he kids. was funny as shit, too. He was a comic, too. He was like had his own show when I think Ohio was something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And by the way, can I show you this bruise? Yeah, Have what's you ever that? Seen? Jesus, what the hell is that? I from? think I got hit by a golf cart the other day. I think that's what caused it. Something happened. My daughter's friends were driving by in a golf cart, nicked mine, and I went, <laughs> did I just get did hurt? That just, did that just dislocate my elbow? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Can you believe how fast this year is going? So much has happened, even with just sports. I mean, me personally, we finally started doing some YouTube stuff. And we have some channels now. We've been doing live broadcasts. It's been super fun. You never know. Got to challenge yourself every year. With so much going on, though, it's important to slow down, too. Take a minute to reflect on yourself. And if you need a little help with that, therapy is a great option. You can learn positive coping skills for when you're stressed. You can learn to set boundaries and enforce them. You can learn how to be the best version of yourself. You can learn to work through anything, not just major traumas. If you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, flexible, designed to be convenient. All you have to do is to get started is to fill out a brief questionnaire. Plus, you can switch therapists whenever you need to. 
for no additional charge. So take a moment for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons. That's my name. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Bill Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. What'd you learn from the Safties? Couple of maniacs. Yeah. Um, I, again, uh, they very think think every they never want to do anything they've seen before they never want to do anything that doesn't feel that it could be real yeah if they they they're very like bullshit detectors every five seconds they're like no 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 you can't do that no 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 he wouldn't say that he wouldn't say that like they are all over every word every move story wise wanting that they're just hard work and sharp guys they love movies they love old movies new movies they're open to everything pta and those guys got tight now they're, they're yeah they're really really oh, yeah, close he was, benny was in the uh yeah, the yeah, last yeah. one yeah yeah, yeah. you licorice, know licorice pizza yep the the last time we did this the movie hadn't come out yet and we couldn't talk about the ending which i still won't spoil if nobody's yeah. seen it but yeah what was it like for people in your life like Oh, people who for the for the ending, yeah. Like, were, were people like, "What the fuck, dude? What did you uh, do? Oh, yeah. Like, what happened?" Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of people going. Some people in the first first couple of weeks are just going, "Wait a minute, man! That ending, man! I got that on the street a few times. Like that ending was a little much, man." Then I had some people go, "That's the only way." out for Howard, man. He had, and that had to happen. Or You know what? It, the movie came out two years ago. We can spoil it. You yeah. get shot in the head at the end. You get shot in the head. And is that the first time you died in a movie? Yeah. I think yeah. so. I think that was part of the shock. It's like, they yeah. just killed Sailor. Which, <laughs> yeah, what's a little of that? <laughs> That's right. Sailor lives in every movie. I know, man. And then they show me dead for a while. That was cool. Oh, it's cool. I don't, I, I, my kids still haven't seen that one. I always say that to them. They're like, can we watch Uncut Gems? I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a tough I didn't show that one you don't want to see either. that one. Right, right, yeah. yeah I'm just yeah. like, just watch, just go with it again. Just put it on again. <laughs> that I told you this. Well, we didn't talk about this on a pod, though. Safdie's so, helped a lot on Hustle. Oh, really? I'm yeah. not surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 helped, they helped on the script a lot. All, all, all the guys, the whole gang. So we taped with KG. It was like December before the pandemic. Yes. And then the pandemic happened like 10 weeks later. I think it was one of the last podcasts I did in person. Uh-huh. But it was interesting during the pandemic, you've made a couple of movies where you get to go away, yeah, location. That's true. that's true. And in the pandemic, they became, my daughter would always be like, let's watch a movie that's set in Hawaii. We're like, all ah, right, well, well, we could watch, just go with it again. But we would sick. get to go 
to a place for right. two hours right, instead right, of right. just being stuck in our house, like and being afraid to go to the grocery store. Yeah, no. but it was it was funny. Like a couple of those, it, it's almost like Netflix should have had a you get to go away section on there. <laughs> That's so true. You know what I mean? Growing up, you see a movie. By the way, when I was growing up in New England, I'd see a movie in California. I had no right. idea. You were just like, it's incredible out there. Oh my Holy God. cow. Remember Battle of the Network Stars? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> like, where does this place Where did they exist? shoot that? At Pepperdine? Pepperdine. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, dude. That show was my favorite. What's his, what's his, uh, Robert Conrad? And Gabe Kaplan. And Gabe Kaplan was a great jock. Yeah. I wrote a whole column about that for ESPN, the magazine once, about how I thought that was the greatest sports moment that nobody talks about. <laughs> and Gabe, Kaplan. Gabe Kaplan beating Conrad in the 100-yard dash. <laughs> he did? Yeah. That's incredible. I must have made Conrad had, furious. It's on YouTube. It's great. Yeah, it's... it's Fast it's, Break, another good movie. Great one. Yeah. That was one... I mean, this this guy in Hustle feels like a little bit Absolutely. Gabe Kaplan. Absolutely, fast break. yeah, absolutely, man. That that movie was awesome. I loved that movie as a kid. Watched it over and over. It was one of my three favorite movies. Really, as a kid. Now it's like I think it might be the most inappropriate sports movie ever made. Yeah, it's, I mean, I haven't seen just, it in years. I have oh no my idea. God. But, but could, it has like that iconic Bernard King performance. Bernard King's in where yeah. he's like really, really good and believable. It was one of the only he's times in love they with the, the girl who that was the other guy. The other oh, guy's yeah. in love with Swish, who's Swish. dressed up as a guy. Yeah, oh my it's god, that whole thing. yeah, that wouldn't play either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not, that, that's not. Kimmel's favorite movie. That was one of the things Aspect, we bonded really? about. Yeah, it's Fast so Break. Cool, man. But the thing is, we all watched the same shit because we were all it was the seventies. What else were we gonna? We watched, the and Jeffersons. it would be on TV. Yeah. Fast Break would come on once or twice a year, and yeah. you're just like, I'm watching this. This is pretty amazing. That's what's happened with sports movies, I think, because there's so much sports on now. I think yeah. it's harder to hit with a sports movie. We just did a podcast about Rocky Three uh-huh. and on rewatchables. We were talking about when this came out, it was like a big deal. We didn't have a, 1982, there wasn't yeah. a lot of sports on. Not, you know, yeah, you got yeah, to watch yeah. your local teams. Yeah, that's it. There was two games on Sunday for football. Right. Wrestling, baseball. watch a lot of wrestling. Yeah, wrestling on Saturdays. So yeah. Rocky's going to fight Clubber. Yeah, that was tremendous. Like, oh my God, I got to go tremendous. to the theater and see this. Couldn't believe it. Uh, and how cool Rocky was. How cool Apollo Creed was. Oh my, Apollo becomes a good guy. Yeah, yeah, that was a good out. move. That was great. Clubber Lang, great villain. Mickey was insane. Mickey it's, dies. Mickey dies. That's tr- terrible. But I'll tell you, by the way, KG's coming right now. Right. I think I hear KG out on the oh, other Jesus. side. Yeah, be careful. No, you got time. KG's doesn't rush anybody. But, he's early. He's habitual. I, he's he's always he's, on time. He's, he's ready to roll. Make it happen. I, I'm hearing it. I'm seeing. I'm seeing through a silhouette of KG. It's kind of like <laughs> just a badass outside. But um, what were we talking about? Fast we're, break. Fa- we're talking about fast break and sports movies. Oh, and and, and Rocky and Mickey. And yeah. I was saying every time in this movie. With Wancho, when I'm giving him encouragement and trying to give him a shit, I'm just like, come on, man. I can't do it as good as Mickey. Mickey, Mickey right. was so real. Everything, every bit of advice you gave it was so like you felt a guy who was in a gym every day of his life for 70 years. When I, I, I was saying, I was just like, all right, I've been in a, ba- a few basketball gyms. I think I'm kind of entitled to this, but it didn't feel like <laughs> Mickey entitled. What's your pickup basketball? What's how we look in these days now that uh, you're it's old? It's been a rough, rough one for me. The groin. You retired yet? I, I'm coming back. I have to come, but I, but I, haven't, I haven't been playing. I played horse a little bit last week and that was hurting. What about full court is done? I'm coming back. I just, when we were making this movie, 
it, one day you got the bug. I got I know that my damn groin, I popped my groin or something, and it's never been perfect again. I have been a hard time. It's so and they say I did did it golfing. Really? Swinging too much. You plant your foot, you turn, and that sucks, man. I don't even know. But I'll be back. I, I thought you would be done at this point. When I would be playing with these guys and they'd say, these kids would say, how old are you? And I'd say 55. They'd be like, whoa, I didn't know you were that impressive. old, man. Yeah. That was pretty good. The last time I really played a lot was my early 40s and they were always impressed because we'd go play early at USC. Uh-huh. They'd be like, you well, know, they'd go, oh, I'll take this guy. I won't have to. Right, right, right. Like, oh, yeah, no, man. he's actually, this is more of a pain of the ass than I thought. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, that is good I lost it, though. I, by 43, I was. What was hurting? 43, 44. I just just felt things starting to go, right? You're yeah. like a split second oh, late I'm on stuff. definitely slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there would be, I remember there was one time I was playing, there was this rebound and I saw it and I couldn't, <laughs> and I yeah. was just watching the ball go by <laughs> me and then somebody jumped. Oh my God. And I was God. like in a movie watching the right, rebound. Right, right, Versus right. like just, there's rebound, I'll get it. That's so true. And man. that was when I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I think I kind of always had that where I'd see a ball up and be like, let me get that. And somebody would just out jump me, rip it. I'd be like, what the hell? Where did... Well, the fun thing for playing when I got old was you have so much like native basketball intelligence, right? All You've right. seen everything and you can yeah. be in these pickup games and you could just be like, all right, I'm going to, I know what the, I figured out this guy. He only goes right. All right. 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 Now yeah, I'll just play him right. And that, yeah. and but so you could cheat with all these things that yeah. make up for how old you were. That's you know? true. Yes. And plus, when you're older, they let you get a little handsy. Would yeah, they it, feel bad. Shirts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they calm down, man. Yeah. What keeps you What keeps you going with just making movies? Like, does your family get mad? Does your wife give you shit? That I do it too much? or that Yeah, I, like, why, why haven't you scaled back yet? You've been making movies for 30 years. Pretty When's good. enough? They're, they're pretty good on it. They kind of like the kids will be like, what's the next one? Oh, they're Where just used going? to it. They, just, they, they feel all right with that. That's what I do. And they also, I think when I'm not doing it, I'm kind of a psycho sitting yeah. at home and getting in bad moods and not knowing what to do with my time. If Especially with this new groin, I can't play hoop. Right. They're just like, get him out of here. He's in a bad mood. So they like it when you're busy. They That's like how it. my family is. Yeah, right, right, right. They think they miss me. And then when I'm home for a couple of days, they start going, you know, They're like, like that kind of sucks. That is kind <laughs> of uh, ornery. But they like they like I'm 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 home at night. I come home at night. I, I hit run my house. My office is like five minutes from my house. Yeah. So I just randomly come home and hang out for a half hour, then get back to work. How old are the kids now? Thirteen and sixteen. Your daughter's what? Yeah, I'm seventeen and fourteen. Yeah, we're so, pretty got, close. Got it. Got it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Your daughter's so the sixteen, you they they sixteen's not talking to me as much. Yeah, as they, it's it's rough. Yeah, it hurts. Right. It's a big ego hit. Yeah. Because I literally love this kid more than anything on the planet. She loves me too, but she's not dying for me to enter the bedroom. It's really depressing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go in and like, hey, how was school today? It was fine. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> like, I'm not what are you doing? You? I'm just asking yeah. how school was. That's, that was my morning this morning. Yeah. Uh, um, I came in. I said, hey, kid, good morning. She goes, hi, can you shut the door? And I go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what time are you going to be back dad i told you i'll be back at ten uh, yeah. just ask yeah, like yeah, yeah. Be do you have just, like the life 360 where you can track them i don't i don't that's all my buddies have life that. 360s that's a good move huh? i like to know where my kids are <laughs> that's good i know me too me like, too it's when they're especially when they're dry is your kid driving yet the older one she gets it in a month gets the license 
be ready for that. That that breaks they just your heart want out. out. They, they just want, want to get out. They just go places. Yeah. Where, where does your daughter go? You anywhere. And you track it and go, she's on 17th Street right now? Yeah. I mean, she's do, she has some sports stuff. So there'll be like, I'm going to practice. So it'll be all like, right. all right, did she make it to practice? Right, right, right. That makes and be sense. Like, I'm going to my friend Paige's house. Yeah. Like, all right. Oh, she got yeah. to Paige's house. And I don't know if that ever. Her podcast is awesome, though, buddy. I told you. Oh, thanks. Lo- lo- love it. I it, wish it, she did it more. She gets. How many know, has she done so far? She hasn't done one in a couple months. She's threatening to do like a Stranger Things thing. Oh, she should. I know because she's perfect. I know in that. your house that was probably well, that uh, was this last weekend. There was yeah, a, they was watched it. every moment of it. That was, was it. You were like the king of Netflix until Stranger Things. They, hey, listen, man, you had a good run. That's hey, <laughs> listen, man, you make <laughs> Stranger Things movies, then we'll talk. That's just some TV shit, man. <laughs> well, I heard that last season because they split it up. They're long episodes. I heard man. it's like two plus hours. They're incredible. That show is awesome. And and Levy's part of it. You know Sean Levy? Yeah. He's a great guy. And yeah, that shows that that dominates my house for sure. They did a nice job of um building up the stuff for the kids, but also having stuff for people like us. Yeah. It's like, yes, oh, that's yes. Winona Ryder. It's yeah, Winona's cool. The you 80, know, people like from cool. From our era. Absolutely. So for the parents, we did, can still. Did, did your daughter go see uh, Olivia Rodrigo last week? She didn't go. She didn't go. Because, didn't go. But she's ready to review the next album when it comes out, right? Yeah, we're a little concerned about the second album. For yeah, Olivia I remember. They, well, it's, that's a hard one to follow, but I think the kids second are going to do it. Second albums are tough. Second albums are pain in the ass. Because I remember Billy Madison was such a big deal to a certain amount of kids that when we were doing Happy Gilmore, again, the Caddyshack thing, and then we kept going, ah, it's not as weir- weird as Billy. They're going to be mad at us. Like, like you, you you do overthink shit on your second one. Olivia, yeah, people Olivia, are more suspicious because they loved what you did the first time. Yeah, and then any move you make, they could say, what? I thought, thought you got me, man. You don't, you know? Right. Well, you also, because you always had to go back and forth with the comedy, but then occasionally you do the drama or, yeah. or like the... yeah. I thought you always, I like some of the risks you took. I, t- I think I, because I think comics have issues sometimes with, they can't break out of it, right. you know, where it'll be like, well, I'm not, I don't want to see you in this dramatic thing. I'm used to you just making me laugh. And right, right. I think people, your drama Sandler, I think is people are used to that. Now. They're used to it by now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think many comedians, I got, I got given, I had, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson wrote me a movie. So that that's right. a pretty good place to be. I think most most comedians who 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 would do serious stuff will handle it or could handle it or it's just lucking out who's who's putting it together. One of the things with you is the the impact on the Jewish community. Yes, yes. Juliet Littman, who's one of our inner circle ringer people, she's uh-huh. always felt like that was the most underrated Sandler piece, like that you would take care because she always feels like there's not enough content gotcha. in general, yeah. like the Hanukkah song, right? Yeah, but also just in general, you're. Being a, uh, a aware, aware. Okay. I'm aware that I'm a Jew. I think that no, that just from some of the comedy stuff that yeah, maybe yeah, is yeah. untapped. You're right. willing to go there. I, I, I definitely grew up where I'd be excited when a comedian would talk about being Jewish, or or an actor would say they're Jewish or say they're Jewish in a movie or whatever yeah. it was. It was exciting. Um. So it was on my mind uh, in the beginning of my career. Just I wanted to just not not uh, ever hold back talking about being a, a Jew. 
But then the Hanukkah song happens, and that becomes the iconic. That's the Jewish thing. <laughs> it was a good. It was a good one. And then I did a, I did eight crazy nights at comedy. Yeah. Like I just always wanted to do stuff like that. Just, just I didn't want to. I don't know enough about being Jewish and or the religion religion to get too deep into it. Yeah. But um, I always wanted to make sure I was proud. We've always joked about having a podcast called Jewish Stuff. And that Juliet was going to host. And we were always like, what would be on Jewish stuff? And she had, uh, we just never did it. But we always thought, oh man, this would, this would crush. People would listen to this. Mm -hmm. But we, we never knew it would be on like past like 20 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can only go so far. That's funny, man. Uh, All right. So Hustle's coming out. Yes. Um, What's your next thing after this? I did a movie called Space Man. I oh, did, yeah, you missed that. I, I did that. I did an animated movie with Robert Smigel. You know him? Yeah. He, 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 uh, legend. He's a legend. And, uh, he's directing it with a couple other great guys. And we, we wrote that. And, uh, this other guy, Paul Sato, wrote that with us. And, um, that's like a, oh, and Bill Burr's in that. It's me and Bill Burr play class pets. I'm a, I'm a lizard and Bill's a turtle. And uh, wow. it's a good, good animated movie. It's coming along. And then you got 50th anniversary of Vestadel in a couple of years. I'm going to show up to that. God, I God only knows what that, what kind of festival that's going to be. I remember the last one was fun. What was the last one? 40th anniversary last show? Last one was 40, which Eddie showed up at, which was a big deal Eddie, to me personally. Can, that's right. Eddie, Eddie was That cool. was when they felt like that was the gateway to him hosting. They, which yeah, I think and was then he got it done. Day. That was, you're right. Yeah, that was big. Uh, and then there's going to be even better uh, this 50th because there's more people who, who have been on the show and, and, and more people showing up. How about the fact that the show's going to be 50? It's fucking amazing. I never knew that you wanted to come back. That was one of like a revelation from like two years ago or whenever you what, were doing Uncut Gems or I forget that what, what, you would have come back for that last year, but they basically said, no, you're not coming back. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I wanted to come back, but I didn't have that opportunity to, to make that decision. They were kind of right. like, right. They removed the choice from you. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. kind of insane. It was for the best. I'm glad they did it, but yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't, I don't even remember. I don't remember who did it, who the people there were for that made that decision, but it was just kind of, again, I mean, the show was in flux at that point. Yeah. We were there yeah. long enough. We were there. I'm I'm baffled how long a lot of the people are on the show now, but they're still fun to see. Yeah, this it doesn't. You don't go like, all right, how long are you gonna be? You're kind of like, that's. I feel comfortable watching this this person be funny. Yeah, I always thought it should be four or five years, and you're out. Three. That's kind of. I think I was three or four. Yeah, and Farley was what four? Yeah, about that. Farley's four accounted for like fourteen though. Yeah, what he, was, was, he was a, a tank man. <laughs> he wrecked. He came and wrecked things. When did you, when did you reconcile that he wasn't around anymore? It must have been like for like five years after you were like, wow, that guy. Oh, oh, he's done. Ah, man. I, I, I remember getting the call. Uh, I remember I was in my house and picking up the phone and it was Brad Gray who yeah. also, he passed away. He was, he was Farley's manager. They, they kind of managed that. Uh, Brillstein Gray managed a yeah. lot of us. Right. And, uh, Brad we were right. I think we were writing the wedding singer or something or something like, or big daddy or something like that. Anyways, I walked to the phone. Hello. And Brad goes, Oh man, I got bad news. Um, what happened? And then he told me Farley. And I just remember like, Oh fuck. That's 
fucking hard one. I thought of his family and his yeah. mom and the dad and and his brothers and sister and blah blah blah. So of course, uh, I don't I don't I don't remember how long it took for me to, you know, when he when I talked to Spade or Schneider or other comedians, Tim Meadows, yeah. that we all loved them. We were allowed to talk about it out loud and feel comfortable telling stories and laughing. Yeah, took took a uh, th with those guys pretty quick, but outside of that, I don't remember feeling that uh, able to talk about it uh, for a couple of years. And then Norm recently, man, that was uh, I, I haven't been able to watch the stand up yet. I love that guy because yeah, yeah. Netflix just put it up. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny as hell. Is he's, it? He liked it. Yeah, uh, yes. It's very funny and very sweet and and demented and but your heart. Yeah, he was like what, traveling, traveling around with Norm. We we did this tour a couple of years ago, and we were together all the time. And he had that secret going on that none of us knew, mm. but it still was funny as shit being with him. And by far, the the fucking funniest, craziest bastard, you know, and smartest fucking guy. I know knew every historic everything. Knew his sports incredible. Yeah, he was a legitimate degenerate. He was sports. a degenerate. Yeah. Yes, he yes, really was, times. especially golf. <laughs> What's interesting about him was he could, <laughs> tweeting away with golf. <laughs> you could put him in a room with like seven, eight people, and for some reason he be, would just become the center of the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's even, funny. I remember one time Kimmel and I went to see him when <laughs> he was doing a show, and Sal was there. We had all these funny people, but right. it just. Something about him. He yeah, just, he yeah, just yeah. became the center force. <laughs> he said, just he yeah. would hold court. It was like you were yeah. on his podcast. And he was very generous with giving out compliments to yeah. other people he liked and like, oh, yeah. But um, yeah. You, we had this deadpan thing that was just so unusual. You just uh, never got used to it. Right, right, right. He'd right. kind of like be sizing yeah. you up and. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and then all of a sudden he'd make the joke two seconds after you thought he was going to make it. <laughs> That's funny, he, man. He, he was always, yeah. You're always like on your toes. Kind of guy. a fucking sweetheart though, too. With totally. like being a, a, a like a gentleman, and like when he would talk to my mom and and uh, dad, he would always kind of like stay with them longer than most. You know, hey, hey Mr. Sandler, they, like he would just shoot this shit with my dad. They'd sit and talk, and with my mom, he was so sweet. He's just like a very cared about his parents a lot. And Super Dave was like that too. He had the same oh, kind yeah. of energy. Uh huh. Where you just. For some reason, yeah. he would just become the center of whatever the conversation well, was. It seems people who don't give a fuck, you, you kind of <laughs> go like, hey, let me hang out with that guy. How do you get like It's like that? a little light in their eyes. Yeah. Where you're like, what's this? All right, we're wrapping up Hustle. All right, Available brother. theaters? No, uh, maybe a few theaters. Because yeah, it's yeah. in a theater. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw it in the Palisades. So some theaters. Some theaters, but mostly, mostly on Netflix. June, June 8th, Netflix. But I was going to tell you, Bill, you know what's funny? Colin Quinn. He's, you know, Colin at all. Yeah, He's one of the funniest guys. Every comedian loves him. And that when we did Grown Ups, Colin and Norm had a lot of time off together if they weren't shooting and they just hung out all the time and, and Spade sometimes would be with them. And you, they would just, like I talked to Colin, he said, that was like the, one of the best summers of my life. Just being with Norm every day on in Boston at a, at a coffee shop, just shooting the shit and watching Norm be Norm the whole time. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's the cool, I mean, you made two grown-ups. I don't think yeah. you realized how iconic they would be for kids. Did you, or yeah. did you? I, I knew that it would be something I would like to see as a kid. 
yeah. to see a fucking getaway lake weekend and hanging out and, and parents being funny and kids being, you know, excited that their parents were fucking nuts. And uh, I knew it would connect us. I didn't know when I walked down the street. Now I would hear about it so much. Just like happy. I just, I, you don't know how it's long so it's going to last. Yeah, it's cool. I, I mean, in the Chris Rock basketball stuff. I, I don't know. I just, just wanted <laughs> yeah. more. I, maybe it's just to had him set more picks. <laughs> just clear, clear it out. Rock, clear it out. Rock never liked uh, any of those moments being on a basketball court. And Kevin James was like kind of he's athletic a, though. He's, he's an athlete for yeah. sure. Basketball wasn't his game, but he certainly could, could play. He could cheat it. Yeah. He could cheat it. Actually, we played a few three on threes with Kevin and, when it was a loose ball, it was fucking terrifying how quick he would go get low, die for it. We're like, we're not right. die for balls at this age, man. Yeah, that's the guy that takes out your sales. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, good luck right, with that. And glad. good luck to my Celtics because we're taping this day before I, I game one. I think this is happening for you guys. That's quite a defense. You, you think guys. this is happening for us? I know everyone... Uh, I know everyone is picking the Warriors. They and really Vegas are. Pick the Warriors, and, and But... That role they're on, have the fact that they win on the fucking road so much to Celtics, they're crazy. That defense, crazy. Granted, the Warriors do everywhere you go. You're like, well, he can fucking hit that. Right. He can, he can hit from everywhere. There's so many guys that can hit. Yeah, it's, that is quite a fucking team you're playing. But Celtics are are pretty ferocious, man. Good luck. It's weird when I don't feel like home court matters in either arena kind because of fucking, both teams are just good on the road. Yes. So yeah, that's gonna happen. Thank you. Thank right, you for doing luck. this. Good to see you. Great to see you, Bill. Okay. Thank you. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Adam Sandler. Thanks to Kyle Crichton for producing it. Thanks to Steve Surdy and Dylan Berkey. And we'll be back on Sunday night after game two with Priscilla. See you then. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Guys, if you want to improve your self-care game, you're going to need a good defensive line. Dr. Squatch gives you that, especially their new private hygiene products. They were designed to help you look and feel fresh everywhere. Like the groin guardian trimmer, easy to use, versatile, perfect for grooming below the belt. And the ball barrier dry lotion prevents chafing, while beast wipes keep you clean front to back. It's the care your body deserves. Try them today. Whether you're new to Dr. Squatch or use it every day, get 15% off your order by going to drsquatch.com slash Simmons15 or use the code Simmons15 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. The world can be pretty dangerous, so it's nice to know Simply Safe has my back with advanced home security that puts me first. What are you worried about? What are you worried about in life? Well, if you're a parent, you're constantly worried about your kids, the health and safety of your kids. Uh, maybe you're a dog person. Maybe, maybe it's just you and your dog. Maybe you're like, every time I leave, I'm terrified somebody's going to take my dog. Keep you and your loved ones safe and don't worry about any of this stuff. Try Simply Safe today. Right now, my listeners can get an exclusive 20% discount on a new system with fast protect monitoring, which is great, by the way. Just go to simplysafe.com slash BS. Once again, simplysafe with two eyes, simplysafe.com slash BS.
There's no safe like Simply Safe. 